nah, I'm f I'm starting to dig into my savings. I haven't uploaded a YouTube video. And uh, Jimmy phones out of the blue. I knew you was Dan the director. This like creative wonder kid. F you YouTube, I'm going to Hollywood. 50,000 people have decided they're not interested in you. F those people. Can I read a text from Casey to you? If you dare do that to Casey, it'll cut your finger off. This scenario I think will happen more and more. I've never spoken about this before actually. Today on The Colin and Samir Show, we're joined by Dan Mace. Dan is the chief creative officer at Beast Philanthropy, and together with Mr. Beast, he's grown that channel to over 20 million subscribers. Dan is one of the most talented creatives on YouTube, and before his time working with Mr. Beast, he was working with Casey Neistat. And before all of that, he was directing multi-million dollar commercials when he was only 23 years old. This conversation has so much value in it because Dan shares the lessons that he's learned from working with the two most influential creators in the history of YouTube. This episode is sponsored by our friends at Spotter. Spotter partners with creators to help accelerate their careers through capital, knowledge, and community. They've paid over $850 million to creators like Eric, Destroying, Mr. Beast, Dude Perfect, Canigra Dion, and 400 other creators through catalog licensing deals. They also launched Spotter Labs this year, which is a suite of AI tools that helps the top creators come up with better ideas for their channels. And those tools were developed alongside creators, actually in brainstorms that were held here in our studio. And every year, Spotter hosts the Spotter Summit. It's an event that Colin and I help put together where we bring together top creators and thought leaders to learn from each other and solve problems that we're all facing. So if you're a creator looking to accelerate your career through capital, knowledge, and community, click the link in our description, go to spotter.com slash Colin and Samir, and reach out to the Spotter team to see if you're eligible to partner with Spotter. All right, now for our conversation with Dan Mace. Real quick, this episode does include explicit language. Dan Mace, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Man, yeah, yeah, great yeah. to have you here. It's been four years since I started watching these videos. Four or five years. Wow. wow. 2017. What were, we, what were we doing back then? You were like right at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. But nothing's changed regarding the color palette. Like everything's <laughs> the same. Like your guys' faces are exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we haven't have aged we at have all. Aged. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like... His beard yeah, is Conan gray, but outside of that. Yeah, yeah it's like uh, I remember distinctly, like you must have had like, 3,000, 4,000 subscribers, maybe like even less, I don't know. And somehow I was in New York with Casey at the time and like you guys popped up and we watched something and then Casey was like, these guys are super smart. Like they, they're good YouTubers. And I remember like looking at the amount of subscribers and I just moved over yeah. to the YouTube side of things. I was like, how can they be good YouTubers? They only have 4,000. You, you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Like course, the way that yeah. I entered YouTube was like, success means lots of subscribers. Like that's how I mm. kind of looked at the metric back then. But it's interesting to like how far, like how far you guys have, you've just kept doing the same thing and stuck to it. And mm. you know, right. like I, I always find like with my content, it doesn't perform as well as if, if I'm doing stuff, say the beast philanthropy stuff, or if I'm helping Casey with his stuff and it's like, you can define it, you know what it is. But like with my shit, it's all over the place. So it's like, if, if I just stuck to one thing, like you guys have this thing. And then if you start, I think it was like, uh, maybe Phil DeFranco started daily vlogging at one point. Mm. 
and it just like didn't take. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, because, but he's so he's undoubtedly the best at what he does. Right. I'm such a big for the Franco fan, but like, why veer away from that thing? But as a creative, your mind goes. I want to try. Yeah, can I be good at that? But, Am I? but the nature of creativity today is that it is, you know, find a format and repeat the format. That's yeah. that's like what the reward cycle is when it comes to the platforms. Yeah, yeah. But I would, you know, it's very hard to look at yourself, like even how you're saying things to us right now about how we're like consistent and we're good at this format. Like yeah. we, it's very hard to look at that as yourself. And sure. when I think, even when I hear you saying like, you're like, I'm all over the place <laughs> that you can say that, but I can close my eyes and imagine a Dan Mace video. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like you yeah, have a style and a voice and a, um, you know, a filmmaking, you know, an authorship of, of what you're making that is so clear. And there's a common thread for us on the other end. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't feel that way to you often. Right. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I, I, <laughs> for yeah. me, like, I, I feel, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. My, yeah, my content's just chaos. It's like, it's like my head right now. I don't even know what the question or the answer, but I had something that I wanted to say. And, um, was it that you that, wanted me to sample these bars that you have open on the oh, table yeah. right now? By the way, <laughs> have you had a brew bar? That's the Dan, first plug Dan, of the no, episode. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're wondering what this is, wait till later and you'll find out. <laughs> someone's Good. been hanging and out if you're with listening, Mr. Beast. Just, it, right? Someone's been hanging out with Mr. Beast. Some AVD right there. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, and, and on, on what you were saying about like, I think if, if you consistent and you're doing the same thing that like reward pathway of of excitement putting something out and and going like oh yes it's done well like the blue lines growing you know if you're keeping on doing the same thing over and over and it's constantly working do you think that that reward pathway like gets less and less you get less dopamine from it because mm -hmm. you just know it's going to work well, well depending i think on the type of person you are and also what other metrics you get connected to. Mm. Because essentially if like your your own when you start your own creativity is the metric. Like I'm sure we can all connect to the first time you edited a video and watched it back. Yeah. And you were just like, holy shit. Yeah. Like I did that. And maybe I <laughs> yeah. could do it differently like this. Yeah, and that, yeah. That's the reward. And then once you once you upload it to a YouTube, right? Yeah. And then the numbers go up. Ooh. Then the new there's a new drug. And Yo. it's it's not just that edit was cool. Uh, it's like that edit was only cool if these numbers go up. Yeah, I call it view juice. Yeah, yeah, VJ. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> blue. Right, and yeah, then once that, that, once thing. you get numb to that, it's like the money, right? Oh, now I'm yeah. getting booked for brand deals, and now that's a whole nother metric. Sure. And so then all of a sudden, creativity as the metric is the lowest on the totem pole. Mm. You know, when you get into this reward cycle of what are the rewards? Is the reward that I did it, or is the reward that people liked it, or is the reward that it made money? What's or is it a combination of all of them? Yeah, I, I, um, there's a spectrum. I was reading uh, in one of the books that I read, it was all about um, how much of your creativity are you willing to abandon to pay the bills? Like that's like the mm. first part of it, right? Like you get into that and you're like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to abandon a few bits and bobs here so that I can, I can, become a, a wedding videographer, but then at least I'm still yeah. a videographer. But then once you start to get the 
a YouTube channel and a following and all the luxuries that come along with that, those lines, like that spectrum starts to become a little bit more chaotic because now you're starting to abandon all kinds of different things and you're starting to be swayed by relevancy, fame, like you're walking down the road and maybe one time you got someone taking a photo with you. Next time you walk down that road, that person's not there. No one wants a photo. You're like, oh my, I was once famous, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and you're looking at people in the eyes being like, do like, you recognize yeah, me? Yeah. <laughs> you look like someone who would watch you YouTube. See what's <laughs> on my, you don't see my bars. Like, you want <laughs> academia? Yeah, bars. You, know, you go stand at the store next to them. <laughs> yeah. they're, like, they're, they're, they're holding like a camera they're, and a Joby. And you're yeah. like, you must know me. Yeah, yeah. And you're you just must. a guy. You're just yeah. a guy sampling <laughs> bars in a grocery Opening store. Opening up a YouTube channel, like wearing it on like whatever. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's that. And I, I, I totally align with what you're saying it's it's all about your character type i think if you like you got to be really strong though you know to to be able to and we inevitably i I guess jimmy is like that and he's you know his relevancy is is stuck and it's staying for a long period of time and casey as well is there but everyone else is kind of up and down and um you got to be kind of really tough to be able to be highly relevant and then to lose that yeah and then deal with it well i know? think you have to uh not be so connected to those outcomes that's the thing right? and how how are you yeah if technically like to become that successful on youtube it pretty much has to become your life so you, you yeah. know where i'm yeah, getting yeah. it's like Ah, it's such a tough one because it's like, well, I I have it in, I, I'm a little bit more disconnected now than I was when um, I was solely relying on my own channel um, because right now I'm doing Beast Philanthropy. Yeah. So there is somewhat of a, a separation. It's not just me. It's me, the team. It's the project. It's the give back. There's a, a lot of amazing things that happen within that. And then there's views and all that other stuff. But I've I found that since starting working with Jimmy, I've I've had more time with my family, I've had more time with my friends, um, which has helped with the and then also the blue line is just like yeah, way helps. higher than You're it working was. Working on yeah. a beast property. Yeah. It's just like yeah. I didn't even know numbers could go yeah, this high. Yeah, yeah. Also like the, the back end's like, whoa. <laughs> so maybe I'm just talking I know, shit I, right I, now. There's I, also constraints though, which is so helpful. Like to have those creative constraints. Yeah, on the yeah. Beast Philanthropy channel of like, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you have to tell these stories about certain types of things in yes, a certain type there, of way. There's a, there's a story. And you can yeah. apply your creativity on that. But on your sure. channel, that's just Dan Mays. Oh, that's the problem. You could do anything. Anything. Of yeah. any form at any time. Yeah, and yeah. that sometimes is paralyzing. Yeah. Well, except for, for expensive stuff. <laughs> yeah. If I was like rich as fuck, then it would be a real problem. Because so, <laughs> then, like, the, then I Jimmy don't do pay that. him yeah. Then you really yeah. could do anything. I wouldn't be. I'd be shopping at Erewhon all day. <laughs> Too much. Yeah. This podcast is supported by our friends at Kajabi. Kajabi is one of the most significant brands in the creator economy. Creators have earned over $6 billion on the platform through selling courses and membership. And Colin, do you know how Kajabi was started? I don't. So the founder wanted to manufacture a toy for his kid, but over time realized that manufacturing and fulfillment was really complicated. So he actually ended up making a video about how to make toys and then realized there was no good way to sell knowledge-based videos online. So he built Kajabi. 
So the platform is actually built by an online creator. That's really cool. And it just makes me think about how many opportunities there are in education right now. There are so many things that people know that other people would love to learn, but that they just don't have access to. And I think online creators are the absolute best teachers right now. We all know how to engage an audience through video. When we were thinking about launching our course business, student experience was the number one thing we wanted to make sure was excellent. And after looking at all the options, Kajabi was the one that really stood out because of their templates as well as everything that's built in. We're able to offer worksheets, videos, live sessions, challenges, and even a built-in community all through Kajabi. So if you're interested in checking out Kajabi, go to kajabi.com slash Colin and Samir. All right, back to the episode. So you're here. I'm so fascinated by your story because I feel like I can deeply connect to this concept of being able to see creativity and creative work uh, objectively when it's when it's a little bit further away from me. Mm. Like if I had my own YouTube channel, I think I would have an existential crisis. Oh yeah. Like with my just my name with just me talking or just me creating, I, it would be really challenging for me mm. because it's too close to my own identity and my creativity is like, I'm excited about different ideas every day. And again, like I don't, I don't feel like my mind fits into a format, but I can sit with a creator and be like, I, I can see you and see where you're going and I could probably help you with your stuff. Please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like you're here in LA accepting, uh, or you accepted a shorty award for Beast Philanthropy. Yeah. Um, you know, you obviously work work with Jimmy, you're the chief creative officer of Beast Philanthropy. I'm curious as a creative though, from an identity perspective, like how much, how much ownership or creative kind of connection do you feel to the work you're doing when it's not necessarily your own? Or does it feel like your own? It's it's an honest question of like, what does it feel like to work on someone else's creative it's project? It's so funny. So last night, um, we we go accept the award. There's Darren as well, um, who's the best I, guy. I, yeah. He's a great, just the best I guy. Like, I, I'm trying to think of his title. I always forget it. He's like the main guy. The, the, the director the, of Beast Yeah, he's like the, yeah. the, the top, top tier person yeah. there. But top, he's also the dog. greatest top yeah. guy I've yeah. ever met. And we walk out and this this girl comes down and she's like, oh, it's such a pity Jimmy's not here to get the award, but I'm really grateful that you guys could be here to get it in his honor. And um, I was like, yeah, cool. Like, totally. That's fair enough. That feels awesome. And then I could see, there's like this thought process of, yeah, but we also like made the films. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of yeah. course. But like, then it's said like, but it, the films would never happen if it wasn't for Jimmy. So it's a bit like to your, to your question, there, there is sometimes it's my own ego that wants to, to have the name attached to it. And because I've come from having my own mm -hmm. channel to be like, oh, Dan Mays made that film. And that's like, oh, look at me. You know, like, yeah. um, and then there's, uh, what I've learned throughout this year is it's, it's, it's so much more about the work that we're actually doing that it doesn't fucking matter. You know, like if- But that's a pretty evolved point of view. It, it doesn't you know? matter, but it, at some level it does matter in terms of- It still of, gets me sometimes. Yeah, it's, like, it's like, like if I'm- like you're, you, you got to find that that creative ownership somewhere, 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I phoned Jimmy like <laughs> in the beginning. Um, after like the second video, I was like, Brie, do you mind if we write in the description? Like you'd be like way down at yeah. the bottom, but do you mind if we write like this film was made by Diane Mays? And he was like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. Like that's totally yeah. cool. It was. Um, and in, in doing that, because I also had that battle going like, how do I, uh, regarding the credit of the film, because in, in, for myself, I'm a, I'm a purist as a filmmaker. Like that's, that's what I, I love creating films that are, are filmic and story narrative driven yeah. films, you know? Um, so a film where, where there would be credits traditionally rolling at the end of the, of the piece, you know? And, uh, where Jimmy is the, the, the main character. He's also the executive producer. He's the person that's paying for everything. Um, but in, in this case, it's a YouTube video. Um, and I also don't want to get my personal brand like lost because people, if you type in Dan Mace on YouTube now, literally, I mean, if you type in Dan Mace on Google now, it literally says, where is Dan Mace? <laughs> that's what it says. <laughs> Because I've just like gone missing off the good, good SEO. Wow. Maybe we'll title so this we, episode. We yeah. found him. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Found him. he's oh, here. We found. We found. Yeah, we found yeah. Dan yeah. Mace. <laughs> yeah, with a thumbnail, I'm like under a bridge somewhere. <laughs> yeah, um, that'd be yeah. a great intro for this episode. Yeah, yeah we, we yeah, find yeah. you under a bridge. Yeah, we bring yeah. you here. Yeah, dude. I mean, I can understand though that that is yeah. That, it's why I asked the question is because like I I could see myself it's a very doing good it, question, but I. Also, you know, this stuff comes up in, in traditional filmmaking too, the concept of authorship. Is it a Christopher Nolan film? What about all the other people who worked on it? You know, like who gets the 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 main credit? Yeah. You know, who's who's really behind it? And I also think in our space, this question also comes up a lot when it comes to editors and, and post-producers and, you know, our teams are getting bigger and there's a lot of creative forces. But this scenario, I think will happen more and more where there will be creators who are very creative and put a lot of work out on YouTube and have an audience on YouTube, but maybe are just better fit working in a team environment or as a collaborator with sure. someone. Yeah. And so you're kind of one of, you're one of the first that has mm. publicly done this, you yeah. know, with Casey and now as well sure. as with Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting to talk through the emotional implications of it too. Definitely. I think, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm definitely, much better at making other people's content than making my own. And not to say at all, Casey, that I made his videos, okay? I didn't. Um, I was very much a part of the process, but um, I could never take credit for making Casey's videos. Um, I think there's like a really funny interview Casey did with, um, uh, rich roll. Yeah. And this is like Casey's the best. Cause he would always compliment me, but then afterwards, like it would be like a backhanded compliment <laughs> every single time I'd be like, Oh, he's, he's saying something so nice. And then just slams me at the end. <laughs> and he said something like, um, I brought in, you know, I was, I was, uh, getting close to being burnt out. So it was like 500 days of vlogging. Um, so I decided to bring in my, friend and he, he used words like my most talented friend someone who's a much better editor than me all these things i'm sitting there I'm like, oh my way he's gonna say my name and he's like and rich rolls like dan Mays. he's like oh, oh my gosh and he's like and you know what it did it made everything go 
twice as slow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> but it's, you know, I guess it's it's like that. But I I, I think that for, in, in the in the case of, of that scenario with 368 and Casey, it was, I learned about character dynamics. Yes. You were so a character in those videos. I became yeah. a character out of nowhere. I, I went there to edit and to video the vlogs. Like that was like what I was going to yeah. do. And I turned quite quickly after realizing like only Casey can edit and shoot Casey's stuff. Like every now and then you would throw a camera, like very literally throw a camera. And you're like, and you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to run there. And like, don't miss the shot. And you're going and like, then you get it. And then if you edit it, it's wrong, you know, yeah, you'll try sure. your hardest. And but it's only in what's in his head. And it's very difficult to ever extract that. Like you could be like, can you yeah. please tell me? And be like, it'll be a waste of my time telling you, you know, yeah. I'd rather just do it myself. So my role became one of a, a character or character that I play of myself within yeah. those mm -hmm. videos. I remember that with like the uh, tech, was it Tech, tech Tuesday? Tuesday. Yeah, I, I learned a lot about these yeah. kind of storytelling elements of, of creating different things that the audience would want to be a part of and see mm -hmm. at a later mm -hmm. stage. And like AVD, I'm talking that lasts over a year, you know, of things of, of mm. a Tech Tuesday intro that would never happen. And we never had any, mm. like we just never did it. I so not, yeah. not suggesting that like there's uh, like not retention on a specific video, but retention with a whole brand oh, and, yeah. a, and a series. We did so, right? so many of those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For someone who doesn't know in this instance, the, the bit, in the vlogs at that time was that you were responsible for making an intro for the segment Tech Tuesday. Yeah. yeah and the recurring bit yeah. was that you were never, you were always late and you didn't have it done. Did you shoot a proper intro yet for Tech Review Tuesday? No. And you would make some like, it was different every it was just time. just so yeah. shit, yeah. I think, yeah, the, I think it started off cause we, it was gonna be that I, I was gonna edit all the videos and all that sort of thing. And then I think we wanted to communicate to the audience that Casey was was the, still very much the person editing and shooting mm. and that I would, I was given this little job okay. that I just could not do. But it got to a point where for me as, as um, and my personal brand and where I'd come from as a director, um, and in no way, uh, Casey meant it to come across this way, but it was diminishing my value as that right. I was in, in Casey's videos, I was always late. I was always interrupting someone. I could never finish a task. You know, I was mm. like the butt of the joke, which, which was great. And it was funny and it, it, it helped the, the vlog, but there was at, at some parts of it, i I found that maybe, um, for anyone that wanted to take me seriously as a film director would watch that and think, hmm, you know, this guy is a little bit of a goof. Yeah, you went from being, you know, the, the you know, the, there's articles about you that, that kind of like, I remember this very well, because again, I, I mentioned this to you, but I knew you as Dan the director. Yeah. And there was articles yeah. I would read about you that positioned you as this like creative wonderkind, mm. you know, uh, of like this young director this like radical young director coming out of South Africa, mm. um, directing these commercials and just like, you had a, a very premium brand. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember this so clearly because, you know, th there's also this thing that when you look at someone uh, that you really admire, a creative, like, and, and for me, Casey, 
Casey's make it count video obviously was the first sure. one that I saw of his and then went into this world of like, what is this? Mm. What is this type of, I went to film school. So I was like, what is this? Where did you go to film school? UC Santa Cruz. It was a okay. banana slug. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to be like, yeah. 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 Dad went. Oh, uh, when you slugs. asked, I was like, what, where's this going to go? I don't know. Just, <laughs> uh, fuck. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. I was like, <laughs> did you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plug. Yeah. Just plug them. Yeah. Man. No, I like, just got to plug them. Greatest of yeah, all time. Yeah. Greatest you want to talk about the bars? Or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You go yeah, first. Everyone man, plug right. something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I, uh, was watching Casey's videos and specifically with Make It Count, you know, he's in the car at one point with Max Joseph. And mm -hmm. I was like, so who's that guy? Mm. Then I went to his channel and watched Max's stuff. And I was like, oh, oh shit, so yeah. this is like, Max Joseph was one of the most influential editors and oh, creatives yeah. in my, and Have I would say- Have you seen Follow the Frog? Of course, oh my yeah, yeah, seen yeah, all of it. I've seen insane, so everything, good, totally right? insane. Yeah, yeah. Everything, and then saw Oscar Boyson. Uh, who's oh, also part oh of that boy, scene. Films, yeah, yeah. Also part of that scene, but Max, um, you know, you can see the people who were inspired by Max Joseph. I mean, I think oh, we yeah. tried to emulate yeah. Max Joseph for at least two to three years. Years, yeah. Oh, I've yeah. stolen so much Max Joseph. And, and that's yeah, why like, I'm saying it is because yeah. I'm. I, I watched your stuff and I was like, oh, Dan watches Max too easily. You know, yeah, like yeah. I, I understood it from your style of, of sure. filmmaking and pacing and voiceover and, and all of it was i was so scared to like when, when the first time i met max i was like worried sure if he was gonna like call me out yeah you know but he was super cool he's a very nice guy yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but i was i was wondering if he was gonna be like that it's a little bit because sometimes when i watch follow the frog the first time i was like this is revolutionary in the way of like how to merge time and space mm -hmm. how, how to get from one bit like he tells this entire narrative in, in a whole is it's so diverse yeah and it's just literally about being aware of uh to follow the frog to mm -hmm. to drink what is the, the frog product it's like a, a, a wildlife something yeah. like tea or i yeah. actually don't even yeah. know now yeah see max you did a shit job yeah. because you <laughs> he, was, he was like too good of a story to too, good. Good. too good yeah follow the frog i definitely relate to that though the first time we met max thinking there are some videos in our catalog uh that if if i were to show them to max joseph i would just have to say like guilty yeah like, like i'm yes, so sorry like I, but, yeah like yeah. i watched follow the frog i watched everything on your channel yeah uh, I, but i think that there's so many like i mean there's so many people that have come to me and said the same thing about my work. There's people, there's so many Casey of course. copycats that, are, yeah. that have found a way of doing, I mean. But with, you also, like when you came to YouTube, you changed a lot. Uh, you you had a very specific style that I would could only describe as like obsessive, mm. where I would watch one of your cuts mm -hmm. and I would have to pause and go, how long did Dan spend on that? Yeah, yeah, it, it felt like you like sucked us deep into your brain <laughs> yeah. for but, maybe like a split second. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. that was like a million frames, stop motion animation. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, and we just had to yeah. think like, how long did Dan take for that Way one second? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not worth it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No. There's like an intricacy to it. I'm, I'm curious, because yeah. like you knew about Max Joseph and Casey before you started working with mm -hmm. Casey. Mm -hmm. When you started actually working with him and you leave traditional media, essentially, what did you think was the promise of YouTube or the promise of even that one opportunity? Can I read a, Casey? Can I read a text from Casey to you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, 
all I have is this part of it. We will book for you. You got to take a leap. Greatness comes with bravery. You do the same shit in South Africa, you can expect the same results. Try something new equals a new outcome. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's from way back. Um, that must have been in like 2016. Yeah. End of 2016. Um, I, so I... I knew about Max's work before Casey's work because of um, I had a researcher. I, I was working traditionally as a film director and how it works. Um, you would, jobs would come in, they call them bids. And uh, there would always be three directors bidding on one job. Sometimes they would throw in a fourth wild card. It's a brutal process. Like, um, and because what you would do is you would work on a bid for two weeks. And then you would lose mm -hmm. and you wouldn't get paid for all of that, but you would sit with a researcher and a producer and you'd work out the costs, you'd work out all of this. This is going somewhere, okay? So <laughs> I, I'm interested yeah, in this. Yeah, I mean, this, yeah. is, this is uh, in advertising you're talking about. This is, yeah, in, in advertising. So you get signed to a production company. A production company will host, say, 10, 15, 20 directors and the agency, um, they would have a certain amount of accounts. So say they've got... Uh, Diageo, who would have like Tusker mm -hmm. or Guinness mm -hmm. or whatever, they'll go like, we want to find, th then that agency would write out a, an ad, geez, we're really going through the whole thing, but let's go. Yeah, yeah let's do it. The agency would then go, um, okay, cool, well, Guinness is bringing out a new bottle this year, so we want to make a campaign around that. Um, and we we thinking about a, a, a comedic kind of ad, then we'll go to the copywriters and the the um, ECD and and the art director and they would write something. And then they would go, okay, well, let's go through this whole uh, collage of film directors throughout if it's South Africa, sometimes all over the world sometimes. And uh, catalog, not collage. But I was thinking about that collage. I like collage. Kind of, I like collage. We keep yeah. collage. Yeah. Yeah. And ECD, by the way, is executive creative director. Yes, yeah, yeah. ECD, yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, so this collage of directors and, um, from there they would approach the different production companies and, uh, you could never be a part of the same production companies have two directors go against each other. So it'd literally be like three, but you wouldn't know who else you're bidding against. Cause then obviously like the producers could go behind and kind of like start to maybe backhand yeah. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so you would always try and figure out who, who, which director you're going up against, but you would have a researcher. Anyways, I did this job, um, and follow the frog was one of the films that my researcher pulled up. And I remember when I watched it, I was like, fuck, that shit's good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's from there. Then I found out about Max Joseph. I watched something else of his, um, and then I kind of, after that, I didn't see too much more Max Joseph stuff. Um, I went straight into, uh, if you notice from way back when, from my first films, it's always sound and music. It's always yeah. intertwined, like the whole way through. I've got this weird like need to make music out of weird shit. Like that's always, and everything with Jimmy and stuff too, with 
the beast philanthropy films. I get so excited. Like, where are we gonna go? We're making this diegetic soundtrack out of out of these people singing and doing all the stuff. And when he looks at it, he'll be like, Yeah, it's cool, but I mean, like, just for a little bit though. <laughs> you know, because we need to get into the, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. nobody's gonna sit and watch like yeah. a minute of like maybe the purest, maybe the uh, yeah. the, uh, the artsy kind of people. Um, like I'm interested in shit like that, but um, yeah. So uh, right from the start, I was into that sort of thing, and then uh, I think at I must have been 23 or 24. I made a film called Gift, which was about I was going through a really difficult time in my life then, and um. I'd kind of, I wrote this film, I wrote a poem about a boy that um, danced to the sound of his fears. Um, because in South Africa, um, we have street performers, at, we call them robots, but they're actually traffic lights. Pretty funny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not lying. Like yeah. if you go over there at the robot, that's the traffic light. Um, so at the traffic lights, you would you know, stop in traffic and there'll be people performing. And I saw this kid dancing with no music. And I thought, um, you know, about making a film about the, how he dances to the silence, what fuels this rhythm and it's very deep. Anyway, um, I mean, back then I was 23 and to write something like that, it's, it sounds like really deluded now because it's, that seems like it needs quite a lot of life experience to to kind of break that apart. So when I go back and I watch that and I hear some of the mm -hmm. wording that I use, it's really embarrassing. But, but the, the intent was the, there. the concept is is like I've I've seen it. Mm, uh, okay. it, was the, it was your my road reel, right? Oh, uh, that's the first yeah. awarded one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, with that film specifically, like um, that's hard to make. You know, like what you made is not mm -hmm. easy to make. Yeah, uh, it's tough. That means that you really did care about the craft. Uh, mm. and, and I know that sounds absurd for me to say to a filmmaker or in a creative, mm. but we're in a world today where I think that the majority of creators care, uh, care are trained to care more about the outcome than the craft. Yeah, you gotta watch like how you say that shit. Not yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, but, but right? But that's like, and, and I'm saying me as, as uh, part of this group too, we, it's natural. We are now in an outcome-based creative environment. Sure. And that is like really hard to do. But I'm curious about those outcomes in the business of advertising. Like, were you making good money as an advertising director? When you get one of those bids, like how much money are we talking about to make advertisements? Yeah, it gets, it gets big. So back to gift. Um, I, so I, I made this film <laughs> and at the time it cost 7,000 Rand. Okay. okay. What is that in dollars? 300 dollars, 300, 300 US dollars. dollars. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, my friend who's a, a very, very successful DP now who shot it, Fabian, um, he's just a very hectic guy. He, uh, he like put down, I think most of the money. So, and, but we, we could win. I think it was like $40,000 worth of gear, mm. a road gear. Yeah. And we, I, I, that's like money I'd never heard of. I thought, wow, you know, we didn't even know how to work that back into rands. We just knew it was like a shitload of money. Um, and we ended up winning. And then that film went to Cannes, to the Young Directors Awards, and it won that. And then also another film 
a, a production house that entered another film of mine into mm. uh, Cannes that year as well, and it won. It won there as well. And the other film uh, about rats, bomb sniffing rats. It was an interesting concept. Wow, I'm hooked. Yeah. Yeah, bro. She go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it's about these. They sniff out the rat, the, the bums. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, they make them. Wait, so this isn't fiction. This is real. This is real shit. <laughs> it's funny if you type in my name on, on Google and you see like the films I've made, it's just like bum sniffing rats. <laughs> yeah. It's like the weirdest thing. But it's like cool, clickbait, I reckon. But yeah, it's anyway. So I made that film and that one as alongside Gift. Um, and then from there, everything changed. Like my entire career. I, I was just, I used to sell jams. Like that was my hmm? job. Like, what, what do you like, mean? Like, peanut butter and jelly jams? <laughs> yeah, like jam, like strawberry like jam. Strawberry oh, jam. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Apricot jam. <laughs> oh. Dude, out the boot of my car. What do you call a boot here? Trunk. But the trunk. trunk. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Out of my trunk. Where were you getting the jams? From this guy called Odette's Kitchen. Okay. Yeah, I found it in the newspaper. Yeah. So I would do anything for money back then. Oh, I mean, geez, okay, not anything. But, uh, <laughs> I would do, close. I would, yeah. I would do anything. But, you'd sell jam. but anything jam related. Y you know, you haven't come that far. If we're just being honest, yeah, you're still <laughs> speaking. You're still, you're still, we'll get to this later. Bars out of the. <laughs> we know we're not supposed to say what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. We're this, gonna get to that yeah. later. No, uh, this is the uh, evolution of jam. <laughs> but yeah, so back then I was. I mean, I was a jam. I was a jams salesman. <laughs> I, I mean, I was so into selling jam that um, I would sometimes leave the jam in the back of my car because, in case you get like a. a a spontaneous buy. Sure. You know? Yeah, of course. Like, at, at you never the, know when that's going to happen. You never know when someone's like, I'm out of jam. Yeah. Like, yeah. Boom. I got you what, what flavor you gotcha. have. So, but what would happen if the jam got too hot in the trunk? It would fucking explode. You know what it's like driving down and next minute gunshots start firing off in your trunk? Yeah. But Jesus. Okay. And you look back and there's just red up there and you think, fuck. So we just got shot in the trunk of my car. You know, yeah. that's the life of a jam salesman. So that was salesman. life before the Young Directors Award. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. life of a jam salesman. Dude, life of a jam oh, salesman is me. deep, dude. <laughs> Luckily, before I like went completely broke and I was, I mean, I, I had no idea. I was, I was just trying to make films. Like that's, that's it. Like I know it sounds like funny. Back then it was, it was gnarly. Um, and I'd made gift, I'd pour everything into these films back then. Not that I don't now, but like, I mean, then I had nothing, you know? So I'd put every cent that I had. Um, and to get the call from, from one, from my road reel to say that we had one, that was insane. And then a month later to get the call to say, they're flying me to Cannes. I was like, what? Um, and then I came back home and, and at these uh, Young Directors Awards is all these uh, producers from production companies, global production companies that want to sign young directors. And in like 2014, 15, it was very trendy to, to use young film directors for big brands because the big brands wanted to try and this whole like Gen Z kind of thing and started coming out. People were looking into the future, mm -hmm. at like what the next generation of advertising was going to look like. So I went from jam salesman to winning single bids. And a single bid is when you bypass the whole bidding process. You just get the job. 
Mm. So my, the production company that represented me, they were really wise and really good. And they were like, we got Dan. He doesn't fucking bid. Like, give us a job, yeah. but he doesn't want it. I'll be like, geez, I'll bid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. want to go like, like don't sucking, be sucking so jams. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. If I can drive down the highway with shit exploding, like, no, <laughs> I'll bid. So I did like six months of, of single bids. My very first job I did was for a, a, a beer called Tusker, um, which is probably like the most renowned kind of ad that mm. I've done. Some more, one of the more famous ones, because that also then went into winning a, a bunch Got of it. awards. And I remember the executive creative director then looking at me and saying, this is the biggest blessing and curse you'll ever have as a director, because this is the, it's your first job where you've got unlimited creative license. The agency does not know what you're talking about here. Cause I was, the, the brief was, there's massive segregation in Kenya. There's 42 different tribes. Um, we are the number ones uh, selling beer. We don't have any competition. So our, our whole idea is, or identity is pretty much trying to bring people together. So how do we bring 42 different people together without it being like, you know, he has a beer and mm -hmm. it's all come together and party. So use the same concept as gift uh, where we went around, where we went around Kenya and uh, collected diegetic sounds. Diegetic sounds are like sounds that happen in front of camera, much like this bar. <laughs> if you had it tuned to it now and you'd hear that delicious crunch, that would be uh, a diegetic sound. A non-diegetic is something outside of what we see of the game. Yeah. Cave film school over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to UCC. Yes, yes, of course. Diegetics, non diegetics, I mean, yeah. inductive, deductive, sure. you can go really deep. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I then I said to them, look, the, the way we're going to do this is we'll go and record all these sounds and I will make an anthem for Kenya for 2016 or whatever it was, the new anthem. And the brand was like, geez, fuck. Um, okay, I mean, if if you can pull it off. And the, the budget just kept on increasing and they were cool with it because they could see that the thing was starting to transform. And we're flying around this little plane throughout Kenya and these little tribes capturing all this beautiful music. And we made the most incredible short film and, and TV ad. Um, and for that job, I think that was probably around uh, $3 million. Oh, wow, US ad. dollars. Yeah. Oh wow. The budget? Yeah, the budget. Where a director should make ten percent of that. Oh, that's uh, really significant. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't get that shit. I didn't know that shit back then. Oh, you didn't I got get fucked. It. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but back no, I still got paid. From jam to there. <laughs> yeah. Dude. I got yeah. paid. Got it. In my mind. Um <laughs> and yeah. I uh, and from there the rest was history. I I I went from that to it took me to the next success, the next one. And, and I got very complacent very quickly. Um, and then I started to become a complete imposter. Like I think about a year in, um, that's when I took to drinking and, and dragging. Um, I really, I just didn't believe in myself. I was dealing with subject matter that I didn't know anything about. Like you make a spot about it a father and a son from the, from the father's perspective. And I, I, I don't know if it's, if it's just that, or it's also the pressure and, um, 
people were expecting so much of me. And also, um, there were certain people in certain fields that knew what was going down and they were okay with it happening regarding me uh, drinking and using drugs and that sort of thing, as long as I got things over the line. Um, and that's when Casey mm -hmm. came into the picture. Um, he, he had come down to Cape Town to visit uh, his wife's parents that have a house in, in um, Camps Bay near the beach. And Ben Brown, an old, yeah. Uh, yeah. not old, but like a yeah, old veteran of that, ge of that what, generation. What OG, like an OG YouTuber. YouTuber. Yeah. So I would watch him and I was off on my own thing and um, with the film directing, I completely lost touch with YouTube, but I would still hang with Ben. And then Ben wasn't here and he was like, my friend Casey's coming down. Do you want to go up the mountain with him for a run, whatever? And uh, I was so unhealthy and unfit and I was like, sure. And I knew who Casey was, but back then, I think Casey was still doing Snapchat videos and maybe mm. he had like a couple hundred thousand followers on YouTube. And to be honest, like I, it, it wasn't something, it, I, there was no like stardom or, or yep. anything. I, I was like, cool, it would be, you know, I'm just gonna meet some guy. And he was awesome. We, we got on really well. I, I he was like very intense from the beginning. He made me like walk much faster than I could <laughs> up the mountain. And I was thinking to myself like, fuck. <laughs> and uh, a year went by um, and we kept in touch. And uh, he then saw the Tusker ad that I'd done. Um, and we, we had been speaking a lot and I opened up to him and I told him I'd, I'd just come out of rehab. Um, and I said to him, like, you know, this is, I, I want to do something else with my filmmaking career. Like I'm, I feel like I'm trapped in this place and it's, it's dark. Um, and he just like offered me a job straight away. Mm. He was like, well, why don't you move to New York and work with me? And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. You know? And then I like dropped him off at his house. And he was like, yo, I'll text you later about everything. And I was like, that's never gonna happen, but it was like, cool. it's cool to romanticize about something like that. And then he texted me, I think he flew back to New York and he texted me, he's like, are you still keen to, to come to New York? And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm keen. He's like, okay, cool, I'll see what I can make happen. And then I had to continue in the, um, film industry in the uh, traditional world. And then I was doing my biggest commercial yet. I was doing the IPL ad. Um, that budget must have been like four and a half mil or something. And it was like 500 people on set. And it was just everything that I hated about where I wanted to go. I was this glorified director. I had my own trailer that they would drive me around <laughs> and that had a bed in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what am I so doing? This is those so feel, like, Those feel very funny to experience some of that. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, this is such a waste of money. But like also at the same time, I had just come out of rehab um, and I was really trying to practice uh, like a lot of humility mm. um, and um, try and find some form of serenity and like that just wasn't helping. That was yeah. just amplifying. Yeah, that was just being just 
making everything seem so intense. And there was a lot of cravings and things involved in that. And I, I phoned Casey then. I was like, is this thing going to happen? <laughs> I need out. He was like, we'll fly. That must have been at the end of March. And he was like, fly to New York on the 1st of April. And from there, the rest was history. And uh, I... I didn't know what to expect, but I, I, the one thing that I just thought would be the case is that I wouldn't be the guy running down the road with a camera <laughs> being shouted at, yeah. um, going from like here where people would, would call me sir or boss, like a big thing on set is to be called boss. Yeah. Uh, it's just like a thing. What do you want boss? Can I have boss? Whatever. Um, Casey would never call you boss. And this was a joke. You know, yeah, right. But like, yeah. he'd be like, "Take this, throw the camera." <laughs> and, Why is it out of focus? Why is this? Da, 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 da? And I remember just feeling, going from feeling like I was up here to feeling like I'm way down here. Like mm. my imposter syndrome makes sense now. Mm. You know, it suddenly put me down, which is the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me. Um, there was a lot of times that I wanted to give up when I was with Casey. Um, it was a lot of times where I looked at all the stuff that he had in his studio and like all the successes and all the trophies and all this, this, like this iconography that you'd attach to somebody that just is so important. And I'd think to myself, there's absolutely no way I'm ever going to get to where this person is. And I would co constantly compare age. Casey's 10 years, my yeah. senior. So I'd be like, I got 10 years to become as successful as Casey. Became like very fixated on that. Um, and the more and more the days went on, the less and less I could keep up with his schedule, with his, uh, I was like, he, he also has a family and he, he has time for his kids, he has all the stuff. Um, and he's still able to work and he's putting out a daily vlog and I'm here to help him and I can't even help myself, you know? Mm. Um, and I really, really struggled. Uh, and then we we were doing a, a shoot with Sean Mendes. Um, we were in London at the time. And I remember that's when I had like my first proper kind of breakdown. I've never spoken about this before actually. Um, I'm gonna have to send this to Casey first and see what he <laughs> No, but I, I had my first breakdown. Um, and I said to Casey, um, uh, I need to go back to New York. Like, I can't, I can't work like this. Like, I, I don't know, like I'm freaking out. And um, he was like, just book yourself a ticket back and we'll discuss it when we get back to New York. And when I got back, then I decided to make my first like kind of YouTube video since, uh, I made a video called like getting to three success yeah, or something. I that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I made this like video, it <laughs> was like me doing some poem. And I was like, where I like fell off a building in the beginning and it was yeah. like very sad. The whole poem is about like having like depression and stuff. Um, and that, that, that was when I was like in my peak of going through having like the, the real feelings of mental health and, mm -hmm. and that, cause I couldn't, uh, hide behind drugs and alcohol and stuff. I had to feel like the rawness of it. Mm. And I was in this unfamiliar territory and I wasn't feeling good at what I was doing. It was like all of the stuff. And that's not what you see in front of camera at all. You know, yeah. behind the camera, I was suffering. Um, 
And it wasn't Casey's fault at all. That was my like unresolved shit with myself. Um, and the, the main part was the fact that I thought that I'd made the wrong decision. Yeah. And um, I was like, I've, I've, I would phone Gabby, who's now my wife. Um, she was my girlfriend back then. And I kept on saying to her, I've made the wrong choice. Um, you know, I should have stayed at home. I even like phoned my um, old production company, just told me to fuck off because <laughs> I'd left them high and dry pretty much. Um, and I just decided to continue. There was this like weird thing and it's almost, it's, this is like a platitude, but I, it was like a fucking cliff that's shaped like that. And I'm like here and I'm like, trying to get up it and then there's like a cloud and then I knew that there was going to be like this peak I just didn't know where in the cloud I was mm. you know yeah I was definitely in that in that cloud and I reached this point where I was like if I'm burning if I'm like I'm working so hard that it's I'm actually like in pain I must be progressing forwards now this is terrible <laughs> mm -hmm. for those that's that hustle anti-hustle yeah. culture shit that we yeah. can get into because I I don't like those people, okay? You gotta work hard, which we'll speak about just yeah. now. That's why you gotta eat a brew bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, That's plug number four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, 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 I nearly gave up a bunch of times um, and I pushed through to the point where Casey and I uh, said, look, you know, I'm gonna, I'm myself, I'm gonna go and start my own YouTube channel. I'm gonna go back to South Africa. I'm gonna propose to Gabs. Yeah. Um, he was like, that's awesome. And he, he was also gonna slow down on the 368 vlogs. Um, and because of that, and I stuck it through, uh, I think that's why Casey uh, has respect for me now. You know, I, I stuck it through with him and he know he well knows like how much had to go into every day to get that shit done. Um, and I didn't give up. And I think he saw there was a lot of times where I wanted to give up, you know, where I was on, on the edge of like, just going like, I can't do this anymore. Um, I also don't want to paint Casey out to be like a really terrible person to work with. Cause he's not, he's just a, he's just exceptionally hardworking. He's a one of one. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's someone. And like I was saying, I, I, it was a comparison that was killing me. Mm. I, I, I was going like, I need to be as successful as Casey because I've given up this other thing. Yeah, there's a couple it, comparisons happening, which is like comparison to Casey, but it's also comparison to the unbelievable elevated status you had as a director. Yeah. Right? Like sitting on that set for the IPL, like you are almost like a godlike figure on mm, that set. Mm. Yeah, it's like, this is the young, again, yeah. like you were positioned as this young wonderkin director. Mm. Whereas the dynamic when you're in London on the shoot with Sean Mendes is that I imagine you're like sort of bottom billing. Oh, way yeah. at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, like you're like, the guy you're just is carrying the camera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that what, that in, in that moment, is that like part of what's eating at you? Definitely, like that. that's not the, and maybe I haven't even thought that through and thanks, now I can cancel my session with my psychiatrist because <laughs> you've broken through. <laughs> I think like there is that, that maybe it's that the weight of, of it being like, there's a jealousy element in that too, mm -hmm. where it's like, um, 
I should be the person that's here, like directing this thing. Yeah. Or I, I should at least have a bigger role or doing this. And now I'm this guy carrying a camera bag. And that's like fatiguing in itself. Mm. Um, and maybe that's what fucked me up a lot. Uh, yeah, of course. Because y- you had experience being on a Dan Mace production. Yeah. And now you're on a Casey Neistat production. Right. Yeah. And, and those it, productions look very different. Yeah. And those are Way also different. Those, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, also they, Casey yeah. with Sean Mendez and you in London looks very different. But Casey probably had a trailer with a bed in it, right? On that shoot. <laughs> no, he had a good, a nice room. He had a good, a good room. Um, just like, I just the remember the, that, like the way that he does things. I, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very just different. drastically different yeah. than the yeah, advertising business with a $4 million budget. Oh yeah, 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 and that, that's why his films are so great because they that that film itself, um, it had, you know, he filmed Sean in like areas like in the uh, dressing room, like trying to prepare his voice, and like, it was very intimate. And yeah. he's good at like uh, building these friendships, and then because he's such a likable guy, and then he just whips out a small camera, nothing intimidating where other film directors may have gone a different route and said too much shit up and it would have made yeah. them feel a bit hesitant to say what they're really feeling. Um, the uh, the comparison thing is interesting because even for us, at the time that, that you're working with Casey, we're really struggling to figure out what we're doing on YouTube. And we're watching you and we're watching Casey. And even you getting to work with him, getting the shout out on his channel, was this incredibly aspirational thing. Mm-hmm. Like we looked at it from a perspective of that's success mm-hmm. and that's potentially right. what we, that's the validation we need mm-hmm. so that everyone will go, oh yeah, those guys, like those are the guys. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we, we were looking at that scenario being like, how do we get the Dan Mace job with someone? Mm-hmm. Right? Like how do we do that with a creator? Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like what was the impact of the Casey Neistat uh, stamp of approval and the influx of people that now followed you? Oh, I mean, if, every si- single person would be like, I know you from Casey Neistat. Like, I've been following you the whole way back since Casey. So- I guess you were the, on like a hit show. You really yeah, think about it. Yeah, it was like the, a daily exactly, show yeah. that had the viewership of a hit TV show every single day and you were on that show. Yeah, so the, the shout out itself, that in it, as much as grateful as I am for that shout out and and I think it, it grew me by three hundred thousand subscribers, something ridiculous like that, huge amount. Um like it was also it had the downside because those followers trickled off. So as soon as I started to create my own content and gain momentum, I was losing the followers that I had gained from Casey, but gaining my own ones. Mm. So I, I plateaued at around like 500,000 subs, I think, 550. I was constantly uploading, but you would see, I'll be dropping off 50,000, but gaining 50,000, dropping off 50,000, gaining 50,000 for a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was really, really tough. Yeah, mentally that's confusing to even try and uh, comprehend what it means that you know, 50,000 people have decided they're not interested in you anymore. Yeah, they think I suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, where's the, the cool guy with the glasses with the paint on This guy's yeah, not yeah, meeting yeah. my expectations. Yeah, yeah, How was your mental health though at this point? Because you, you essentially go from, you know, supporting Casey on his videos to making your own YouTube videos, but mm. you're also going through this time. Like, are you still regretting the 
decision? Are you still confused uh, yeah. about the decision? It's, that's good. Yeah, because we never really bridged that gap. Yeah. Um, yeah, so when Casey and I came to the decision, I'm going to go back home, I'm going to get married, uh, or, or I'm going to propose to Gabs, and he's going to slow down on the vlog. I um, mentally, I wanted to then take on YouTube and um, not go back into, I wanted to see where this thing yeah. went because I've got the shout out now as well. So yeah. I had all these people, I got a phone call from, can I say brand names? Yeah, yeah. I got a phone call from SeatGeek and they from offered Ian? me, from Ian. Yeah. Uh, and they offered me $15,000 to do a brand deal. I was like, what, $15, yeah. ah, no way. Because I would see Casey doing brand deals, but I would never get to hear the money. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, fuck, that's a good amount of money. Because, I, I mean, from an ad, a TV ad, I would, you know, you'll do one every month or two. I get like 20 grand, 30, sometimes 40 grand. Yeah. But that, it's like a lot more work. Right. Um, mm -hmm. A lot more that goes into it. There's like a lot more people. Mm -hmm. Actually, come to think about it, it's not as much. That's fucking <laughs> strange to think about. There's more people, which makes it seem like more. Sure. But yeah. it's much of a matchless. I'm like, you're going to pay me $15,000 and you don't even know what I'm going to do in this video. Like, you're going to just pay me the yeah. money and I'm going to do. Um, so I made a video um, surprising my ex-boss that fired me. Um, I remember that video. Yeah. yeah. And I spent the $15,000 that I got paid for by SeedGeek to make the video. I got like a helicopter and the whole, the works, you know stupid um but it made a cool video and uh then from there i just started getting brand deals i got a manager who phoned me he was like i can get this person and that but i can't remember it's like honey and all the the norms um must have been a vpn vpns there. back yeah, then yeah. just back to back <laughs> vpning just maybe a music library oh yeah, the, yeah. Every, you know what i mean yeah. just the go-to's dude <laughs> sure. just endless you just stack them up like you go through a portfolio and be like which one do you want <laughs> you know? yeah and uh i couldn't believe it i was like fuck this is actually like you're speaking about yeah. money and i immediately changed to this thing of going like what is the point of making a video for YouTube if I'm not going to put a brand deal in it because then I'm going to be putting all this time and effort into it and I'm not going to be speaking of if you well <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, that's yeah, a good that's one good. for yeah. your guys yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um no like I I started to think along that mentality because I was like this is this can turn into an actual business right. um but my mental health is still uh then it was there there was a lot more weight on of course. me now having to perform underneath my own name. And um, the dip of of followers every time I'd upload because of these people couldn't remember why they'd subscribed, but some guy yeah. told them to subscribe, you <laughs> know, <laughs> like Casey. Like, the, now then, this guy's playing flute with a brick, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I, there was so much doubt. I, I would think to myself, maybe it's because I'm South African. Maybe it's I've got a weird accent. Maybe, um, you know, maybe they don't like the way that I look. You know, there's so much, so much that you can attach to that. How many people were watching the videos at this time, though? Because it's not, it's like a hundred plus thousand, right? 
then I was doing at least like 800,000. So oh, wow. isn't yeah. it strange hmm. that we live in a world where you're like, nobody likes me, but hmm. 800,000 people are watching you? Yeah, but there would be like three comments saying like bad shit about right. me, you know, which three you can times by a thousand because that's what it feels like. Right. Like one bad comment is like a thousand. There's bad. this time with a lot of creators where all of a sudden your understanding of what nobody is, meaning like nobody is watching, is mm. really skewed, right? You go like 50,000 people watch this video. Nobody watched it, mm -mm -mm. right? Or 100,000 people watch this video. That means nobody watched it. Well, like, now with take uh, beast philanthropy metrics, yeah. like <laughs> if, if, if a beast philanthropy video performed like one of my highest performing videos, <laughs> right. I'd be like, oh, this is the biggest tank in yeah. history. Right. That means if a this million people it. watched a beast philanthropy video, uh, you'd be like finished zero. Down, that, no. that actually means zero people watched it. Massive failure. Yeah. Isn't that strange? And whatever that the metric? highest viewership is becomes the expectation. So if you yeah. hit it again, it's not, this is amazing. Yeah. It's, oh yeah, well that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah, let's try something else to make it higher yeah. this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but that's, that's fascinating, you know, of like, yeah, the followers were fluctuating, but the real metric is like how many people are watching your work. And again, the joy of a creative, when you showed someone your work as a young mm. kid, was like, if one person liked it, you were like stoked. That all went away. That, that from making GIF, that, the film going way back to the beginning, and the intention behind that was yeah. to utilize uh, filmmaking to escape the burdens of my conscious mind, I guess, somewhat transcend through this feeling of depression, which fluctuates. Yeah. I don't know uh, uh, for other people that, that deal with depression and anxiety, but you understand that it, it comes and it goes. And um, when, it's, when it's bad, um, generally I create my best work and that's, I found an outlet for that. And that, that is filmmaking. And I, I lost touch with that. Um, when I got into the commercial space, especially with, with mm. drinking and dragging. And, yeah. um, then, uh, when I came out of that and then the, the followers thing and chasing the, the trying to, to better each video, not regarding the creative elements of the, each video, but bettering the viewership, bettering the comments, bettering what people would say about me. I wanted to be known as this like super creative guy. Like that, that was my thing, okay, you know? Um, and that shit fucked me up like really bad. Uh, and um, then after that, I, I, I had to keep going because that, that's your job. Yeah, it's paying the bills it now. It became now. a thing where it was like, fuck, I have to keep going, but <clears throat> I'm not gonna lie, in 2019, um, I it was just before the pandemic had hit. Um, I just wanted to give up, but I had no other option. I knew that if I had to go to um, back into the traditional world, I would need like three or four months money to float me, um, to p uh, build my portfolio again, you know, yeah. and, um, I just, I couldn't, I had to, I had to continue with YouTube. So that's what I did. That's and probably had, the yeah. hardest <clears throat> creative energy though. Dude, to turn the mm -hmm. camera on when and you start yeah. speaking to it yeah. and you feel like shit. And you don't believe it. Start repeating really. lines, you know? Like, so today we're- <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <so> <laughs> I 
but it's so true, dude. Oh yeah. man, I can only just I, laugh because yeah, you know, you'd click. Yeah. And he's just said <sighs> You turn it back okay. on and you're yeah. like, Do you need protection from unsafe Wi-Fi? <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh because I've got a VPN for you. Bro, there's been such like there's been times where I've and then it, it's like, okay, I've this breakthrough idea. I'm going to make a fucking song from a brick. Yeah. You know? I and really liked that video. Yeah. I also liked yeah, it. But back sweet. then, yeah. when coming up with that shit, like, I had no belief. I'd have these crazy ideas and then I would start filming it and I'd get halfway through. Yeah, really and it. those fucking videos take like a month to make. Do you, do you know how mm -hmm. long they take to edit? And at the same time, I'm making other videos so that I can sit and edit that for a bit. And it's like each and every single plinky plunk and uh, then I'd look at that and look at the timeline and go like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give up anyway. <laughs> what the fuck is the point? Yeah. And then I put that video out and then it, that video got like one and a half million views or yeah. it did well. I don't know. Um, and then I was back on top. You know? Yeah. And then like, your Whoa. your emotions are swaying. <laughs> I don't have depression yeah. anymore, dude. I'm I've beat that shit. <laughs> and uh yeah. it's it, uh, my life has been as a creator mm -hmm. has been really crazy like that. Just before I've wanted to give up, something's happened. And in 2019, a guy called Tom Lofthouse from Discovery, the Discovery Channel phoned and uh he had watched a YouTube I'll call it show that I had done that year called the Not Normal Show. Yeah, I remember mm -hmm. that. I made a seed map. I asked people to plant seeds, which were unfinished ideas, all around the world. Um, and he phoned, and and that was that was like three days before I was about to literally just go like I give up, like really, like literally, I'd made the film. I think I actually put the video out to say like <laughs> I'm yeah. quitting YouTube. <laughs> and uh, the yeah, he phoned. He was like. I I love what you're doing. I wanna um I, I I don't know what it is, but there's something here. Like I wanna do a show with you. So you pitch me ideas and we'll come up with something. And we spent uh that then gave me the, you know, I guess confidence to be like what I'm doing is okay. So I'm gonna keep doing YouTube for now. Well, until I go over and move on to TV, I guess. Mm -hmm. So that took about like a year to develop the brew show. Um, I had like, I had more than 12 ideas. I had like maybe 15 or 16 incomplete ideas. I think Discovery could only afford to pay for 12 <laughs> episodes, but uh, we were like, we're going to finish every single idea in this book. And then that's going to be the end of my chapter on YouTube. That was the plan um, because in, in an, amongst all of that was the development of these two feature films I had going. Um, and Discovery was going to be the develop, they were going to develop one and then Warner was going to develop one. Um, and it was like the perfect kind of ending to YouTube because they were going to let me upload those to YouTube as well. These, these, mm -hmm. um, it had to go on Discovery like two weeks before, three weeks before. So it's a pretty good deal. Up. That's a lot of belief yeah. in you after what seems like a tough year on YouTube where you feel like no one's watching, you're struggling yeah. and then all of a sudden, <laughs> tell me about Warner Discovery <laughs> comes, it's yeah. like, hey, how about two feature films on a 12 episode yeah, TV dude, show? I thought someone, my mom had come into money and she was paying this <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to keep me going. 
Um, no, I, I couldn't believe that he had reached out and said that he believed in me. It's always been like a person that's believed in me. Mm. It's weird, eh? It's always been like Casey, mm -hmm. it's been times, it's been this guy, Tim, that gave me the chance on, on the Tusker ad. And, um, then, uh, yeah, I, I, I did the discovery show and that was awesome because they just gave me the free reins to, I worked with this guy, Tom, um, and technically his job is to like sign off on everything and make sure, and usually yeah. I guess the client in that regard would be the red tape and someone to be like, no, I hate that, I hate that. And he was just such a big fan of what we were doing. He was like, he would literally watch reviews and go, I love it. Hmm. Like, that's it, yeah. Did you wow. have to do like a bunch of, like the thing that freaks me out, there's this really interesting concept that I, uh, we were talking about before you came in. Um, like if, if we got an email from Netflix saying, Let's let's take this talk show and let's let's put it on Netflix. Let's make something like David Letterman's My Next Guest, but for creators. Mm. Um, there's no possible way I would say no. Like I would be like, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. But I also know in my head that working with a streamer is really challenging, and it's like nothing like what we do here. Mm. Is that accurate in your experience with Discovery? Like. When I hear about that, I'm like, okay, there's going to be a ton of legal review. We're going to yeah. have to blur out a ton of logo logos. We're going to have to get location releases everywhere. Gonna, Definitely. Like, like for me, I, my mind gets overwhelmed by that concept and the, yeah. you know the notes from the stream. Like, and that's also been our experience when we have made things yeah. for TV. Yeah. Sure. Before yeah. is yeah, that yeah. it's it's becomes quickly a nightmare scenario where you've lost complete control. Yeah. Definitely. Over everything. You see, yeah. What's interesting is I came from there. Um, so I built my company, Joe, based off of that. Mm -hmm. uh, so we we do a lot of service work. Service work meaning um, uh, production companies that want to come and work in Cape Town and we'll service the job for them. Yeah, so yeah, we organize all the bits and bobs. And um, So I've got really smart producers and people that do all that stuff. That they, stuff. They, yeah. You know, the content buyers and whatever and, yeah. and people, product placement and continuity and... So we did like when we started with the discovery stuff, we had to do a bunch of training um, on like what to and what not to say with regards to just how how to conduct ourselves on set, and then also what to say with inside of the films. And I pushed back on most of it because I'd been developing this thing alongside with Tom. So like a lot of the things in the beginning, they didn't want me to say fuck. You know, and I was like, but I always say that. <laughs> you know, but it's my favorite yeah. word. Yeah, yeah. People are gonna be like, that that's not it's not authentic. Does it doesn't yeah. sound right? And they're like, okay, we'll beep it out. And then I, I think I got to keep it on my YouTube channel, the stuff I uploaded, mm -hmm. but they had to beep it out on, on Discovery. On Discovery, I think. Something like that. Then there's certain things like my cuts are too fast, so they could give somebody um an epileptic fit. Whoa. Mm. But I was like, why the fuck does YouTube not have that thing in it? Yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That sounds like, like a problem, yeah. Because you had run stuff through, um, oh, it's called like tech something. It's like a tech check. You run it through there and then it gets a sign off. It's just a like a computer that looks at it. Wow, so and the it, pace of the cuts was too fast. Yeah, on all of my videos, yeah. always, yeah. Comes back and it's like epilepsy warning. I'm like, geez. And then we have to go back and really slow the cuts down. So that's something they won't put it out on TV if that's the case. Yeah, like they can't just like, yeah. so, so there's that, there's like red tape. 
I would say if you didn't have a relationship with somebody, like I really developed a strong relationship with Tom um, before going ahead. Uh, if it was like you were working with a bunch of execs, then you would lose complete control of your show. Yeah. And you would just become something purely for views for, for that them. streamer. Yeah. And you just a pawn. And you don't even thing. know how it performs. And they're selling yeah. your content. They become they content buyers and then they own your stuff in perpetuity and they're selling it off in different territories. Right. You don't mm -hmm. even know what's going on. Yeah. So that show was pretty YouTube focused. Like I remember Logan Paul was in an episode. Oh yeah. Right? There was an episode with Logan. There was an episode with Casey. Yeah. Um, yeah. Casey's in one, Logan, yeah. Uh, what was some of, I'm just curious, like during this time of like ups and downs on YouTube and then going to discovery, um, what was Casey's advice to you? Um, did you turn to him for advice? I always YouTube? do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause I know you wrote, you wrote a blog post about 10 things you learned from Casey, mm. which I have those 10 things written out here, mm -hmm. but I'm curious about like, Whatever, right there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll read it to you. I think it's really funny. No, 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 but no. first, I'm, I'm curious, like during this time, did you turn to him for advice on how to grow your YouTube channel? Because your guys' styles are very different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what he said? He was like, you should create a product out of macadamia nuts <laughs> that has caffeine in them, tastes really good, and will mm -hmm. fuel you. So and is this the point so of the this, show where we're going to find out about the brew bars? <laughs> no, no, it's still no. going to be in there. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a separate thing. I mean, because I actually do want to... Like I, I would love to eat one. Not yeah, but you can't. Not not yeah, yeah, yeah. AVD, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You want everyone to stop listening? Yeah, you want to just stop listening? ASMR. We're gonna have to take these things <laughs> off and really get into. Make a song out of it. Yeah. Oh, dude. Don't get me started. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll be here for three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Dan just lives here, making yeah, a song. Yeah. He arrived tomorrow morning. I have my shirts off. I'm like hitting the wall. We just like can't get him to leave. <laughs> yeah. No, you won't. Yeah. Don't we get me started. Record the next bro. interview yeah. with the next guest, and he's like still here. <laughs> I, dude, I will be. He's getting diegetic sound from the other guest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In the next interview, you see me coming yeah. to the side. <laughs> We're just like, sorry, he won't. We can't get him to leave. <laughs> he lives yeah. down. He's been here since we recorded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The answer to the question, where is? Dan Mace, you know, oh, he's, on couch. Couch. Yeah, right. he's on our couch. We have still him. making the like never ending <laughs> yeah, song, still capturing diagenic sound. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Fucking hell, bro. So, yeah. Casey's advice to you at that time before going over to Discovery, yeah, just like during that ups and downs of YouTube, like obviously with a seasoned YouTube vet or someone who had like really found success on YouTube, I'm yeah. sure given your relationship, he was like, Hey, Dan try this or uh, if you asked him what should i do the weirdest thing that ever happened with casey was um i this was in 2019 i came to la to come visit him and um the case the only casey that i knew was the guy that would be like if he came to pick me up there'll be like a camera in mm -hmm. the front there'll be a camera on the seat and we'll be going somewhere where i have no idea but i'll just have to get ready to shoot and he comes and picks me up. I'm like ready, bro. Yeah. I'm like, I'll do anything. I got my helmet on, like the whole thing. <laughs> Get in the car. And I'm like, what are we doing? He's like, we're going surfing. I'm like, okay, cool, bro. Like where, what, are we, what is it about? He's like, no, we're going surfing. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, bro, it's Thursday. It's, that's what I do here in LA. We <laughs> go surf. I'm like, you being serious? <laughs> what happened to my old friend? Yeah. Um, so I think at that time, Casey had just completely stopped uploading. Yeah. Um, he moved here. He's, his whole, like, he's changed since then as well. 
So he before he was like super nonstop, and then LA changed. He was like Stop. very chill, just like surf a lot. Now he's back New York, grind, hustle, yeah. back to the other Casey version. But um, his advice, I I remember um, speaking to him about the. The thing about, I was like, there's this thing that's going to happen with discovery. And he was like hesitant about it. He was like, are you sure that it's going to happen though? Kind of thing. And he was like, if it does, fuck, that, that sounds amazing. You should definitely do it. Casey's always um, supported me much more as a filmmaker than a YouTuber. Um, he would just be like, dude, your videos are fucking great. You know, just keep making them. Like you just got to keep making them like fuck the views. And then I would want to be like, fuck you. Like you, <laughs> you doing, you making yeah. great videos and you getting views. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, how did you figure that one out? You know? Um, so a lot of, yeah, his comments always like, just keep on making great videos and stop worrying about the views. But then I was always like, yeah, but you still getting views. <laughs> so what are you, like, what are you yeah, hiding? Yeah, yeah if, if, if you weren't getting views yeah. and you're in my boat, what's your, like, <laughs> you know? So if you're, if you're sort of struggling to be creatively validated by YouTube, you move to Discovery. Mm. Do you finally, at the end of that, get a sense of creative validation or, or an alignment of purpose? No. No. It never like, where ends. Where does that go? I, I, I wrote it in, in my blog recently. It's, I think I described it as like the um, mirage of a finish line. Mm. Just like keeps on going, getting further and further away. Like um, the anticipation of something happening is, is what makes it exciting. That's why it's so hard to finish a film. I, I find it so difficult to finish a film because one, I'm scared shitless to put it live. And two, it's also very difficult to say goodbye to something that you've been doing. So like I find the last 5% of the film taking the longest to do. So with your editor, you need to be like, remember what Dan said, just fucking get through that shit. <laughs> that last 5% is probably what's, what's bottlenecking you guys right now. But yeah, I, I um, it's, it's, um, I think like I try and hold onto that anticipation a lot more. And then when it finally gets there and it gets to the point and the film's finally done, it's never good enough, you know? And then you release it and people could celebrate that one, but I'm already worried about the next one. Yeah. yeah I read something the other day. It was like, my film would never be complete if I didn't have a deadline, you know, like as a filmmaker. That yeah. would is inevitable if the, if the client didn't say it had to be done on this day like it would just forever be in this constant loop of trying to better it for sure um so yeah with discovery i i got through the show and i knew that that i was going to move to la and uh make this feature film called the afronauts about these four guys um, that from Uganda. Um, it, it was based off of a 
Times magazine article about the worst hundred ideas of the century. And one of them was about the Ugandan space program, which is very funny. Um, and in the 80s, or the late 70s, early 80s, Idi Amin, who was a terrible dictator, decided he wanted to join the space race. So he created this space academy where people would wear like tinfoil hats and shit. <laughs> it's insane. He would roll yeah. them down the hills in barrels and everything. And I thought that was a really interesting story. And um, anyways, we slowly got this thing developed. And one of the Bruce Show episodes was a development piece for Warner Brothers Discovery. We went out to go find out the realities of the situation in Uganda. And they bought it and they were like, cool, this is a, a done deal that's happening. So off I go, I say, fuck you, YouTube. I'm going to Hollywood. I'm going to be a director now and I'm going to make this feature. Were you... And like prepared to make a feature film like i don't even know what how that works to make like a a long oh yeah I was, I was you feel like yeah, you felt yeah. very prepared to do that oh yeah yeah, okay. yeah. i i mean back from where i'd come yeah. from that 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 was always the goal got it also in here in in hollywood as a first time director you usually get paired with um a production company that that would guide you really well through the process. Mm. They can't hedge a bet. So, yeah, and, and and the fact that we had gotten it over the line, which is the hardest part, especially here in LA, there's a lot of yeses and all of them mean no. Yeah. <laughs> like for 10 yeses you hear, like, you know, maybe um, one is a real yes. So what happened is when I came to Los Angeles um, and I said, screw you, YouTube, which now I feel like really weird about because yeah. that's I'm back here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> welcome back. Thanks you're, for you're having always, me, yeah. guys. Thanks for always having my back, yeah. like Good always yeah. accepting me every Good time to have I come you back. in your bars <laughs> here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so yeah, I the merger happened at the worst time possible between Warner Brothers and Discovery, and um, we had just read an article about uh, Batgirl getting shit canned. So what was happening is David Zasloff was just shit canning a whole bunch of things for tax write-offs. Um, and we were so scared our film was going to get made and never see the light of day. Um, so we bought it back from, from Discovery. And now we like shopping around uh, Hollywood to try and get this thing bought. And there was a lot of different buyers that were keen like I said, everyone's saying, yes, 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 we'll get back to you in a week, we'll get back to you now. And this is in like August last year, 2022. And then I was like, no, nah, I'm fucked. Like I've, I'm starting to dig into my savings. I haven't uploaded a YouTube video. I've said, fuck you, YouTube. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what am I going to do now? VPNs yeah. to Fucking, talk about. Yeah. VPN numbers have gone down. <laughs> like Everyone's no. already got one. Dude, you yeah. know the emails that you usually just immediately delete and click archive? I'm going through those. Hi, influencer. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to oh, yeah, yeah. see Hi, our- Hi, Dan Mace yeah. channel. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, dude. And uh, yeah. So, that's a dark place if you're reading yeah. those emails. Oh, dude. Yeah, dark. that's dark. And, and, yeah. and then if you respond, oh, dude, whoa, mm -hmm. wait a minute. He may just be getting <laughs> scammed. <laughs> oh, bro. At that point, I'm not going back to the jams, dude. Yeah. So yeah, I, um, I came to New York and- my intent was I was going to 
start YouTubing again <laughs> for like the fifth time. And I spoke to Casey um, and he was like, dude, what are you doing? You know, like you're just bouncing back and forth. And I was in a room that was way too expensive in downtown New York. Um, and I, I was just extending my time mm. waiting for something to happen because I was like, life what, is what just- What were you waiting to happen in New York? I don't know. You don't know. Just, just this this thing. And what is your wife saying to you at this time? Is she? She's like, come back to South Africa. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, I, I'm going to make it. I'm waiting. No, I was waiting for a phone call to come through from a buyer okay, for it. the film. Okay. Yeah. And I needed to be in, in, in the States. So I could fly to LA, but I couldn't make content in LA. I could only make it in New York because it's difficult for me to make the kinds yeah. of films that I make in, in Los Angeles. Um, so, yeah, and, and I also felt that I just needed to be around a mentor and Casey was very open to to helping me and like figure things out. And uh, Jimmy phones, out of the blue, dude, at like, I don't even know, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, I see on my phone, it just says Jimmy Beast because I saved his number like that. And um, he's like, yo, uh, I want to speak to you about an opportunity. And I was like, okay. And then I remember thinking like, fuck, maybe I should film this. This would be cool for a video. But I think it's like illegal to do that. I don't know. <laughs> right. But I still But you it. did it. <laughs> <laughs> I still filmed it. <laughs> but I, I, I don't have that footage anymore, I don't think. It's in a YouTube video. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Guilty. J J we got Jimmy signed yeah. off on it, okay? I'm pretty sure. No, no. Uh, yeah, I still have that footage. Nothing bad was said, um, I don't think. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I got a camera. I was like, oh my gosh, Jimmy phoned me. At least if nothing comes out of this, <laughs> I could say Jimmy phoned me and put it in a video and maybe get 10,000 views. <laughs> I don't know what the thought back then was. But uh, yeah. He phoned me and he said, um, do you, uh, like the Beast Philanthropy channel is lacking a little bit and um, we want to try you out on a video. Uh, what do you think about that? And I thought, fuck. I, well, I went over and looked at the current state of the Beast Philanthropy videos and um, they were just really bad, the way that they had been done. Um, and then again, now, back mm -hmm. at that thing where like the phone could ring at any point and right. I could sell my feature or Jimmy's like, give me an answer. So we spoke for a while and he was like, look, you know, I, I want to try out on this thing. And it wasn't a done deal. Um, and uh, he said, you know, let me know like tomorrow or the next day or whatever. And I was like, fuck. Then, Renee Zellweger and myself were going to make a film. And that was going to be a short film. A different film? This is a different film. Okay. Um, which had just then gone over the line. So like in one day, I have these two opportunities. The Renee Zellweger was just, it was a short film, but it would have led to a huge thing in my career. Um, and it was a short film called Umbrella. Um, and we just didn't have a shoot date yet because she was being blocked off for another film that she's currently working on now. 
but we knew that it had to happen in the first block of 2023. So at the beginning of this year, kind of the the first quarter, like it would have to happen in maybe Jan, February. Um, so that was happening. The, the feature film we had bought back from Discovery. Um, and now I've got like three, four months and I don't really know what's happening yet. We're trying to sell the other feature. The mm -hmm. film with Renee, we're getting funding for, but I'm not really going to make too much money out of it. So I decided to move to New York. And um, at that time, I didn't know for how long. I just wanted to make a couple of videos and then see, you know, circle through the old brand deal things, <laughs> phone up the, yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, bro, do you have a yeah. deal for me? Hey, Seat Geek, remember right. nine yeah. years ago? Yeah. <laughs> I'm back. Uh, yeah, I'm back and this time for good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I made a couple of videos. I was, I was making enough money. I mean, I was doing, you know, what, what the normal rate you'd get for a, a, a brand deal. Um, and I made, I was doing like a couple hundred thousand views of video then still, so that was fine. Um, and then, um, I realized like it was getting toward the end. Um, I just didn't know what to do. I was going to fly back to South Africa. Um, Gabs, my wife was like, I'm out of here. And, uh, she left. She uh, was with you in New York? Yeah, she had, mm -hmm. she, okay, okay. she flew to New York. Okay. Um, cause I was at that point again, I, I'd hit like a, another down. Yeah. My feature wasn't happening. This thing with Renee, which sounded really exciting. Again, like I said, there's a lot of yeses. Yeah. So it's kind of like, is it going to happen? Isn't it going to happen? Um, but then, then I get told, on this day that um, the Renee film is happening and it's happening on the end of November. It's like the 25th of November. There's a, a time where we needed to be in Canada. There was this, a road that we needed to shoot on. And she's free and that's when we're gonna shoot it. And that day and dead ass, like this is, probably 2 a.m. that morning, Jimmy phones and offers me this opportunity to shoot a Beast Philanthropy video. And um, I'm like, when is the video? And he's like, well, it happens from middle of November to like the 5th or 6th of December. So I'm like, fuck, yeah, you know, uh, this old situation again. And... Um, then and i also hadn't i didn't know if my the feature was going to sell yet um and there had been a lot of people like the feature was sitting with everyone uh the other feature my, my feature the afronauts and uh jimmy was like we need the 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 philanthropy videos are lacking um and i went to go look at look at the videos i don't know if you saw the old beast philanthropy mm -hmm. videos yeah, yeah. And i don't want to throw shade on anyone but they were just really bad. They were done in, it was distasteful for the subject know, matter. Yeah. What, what yeah. it was and it need, it needs cr uh, craft and, and beauty and art. It needs to tr transform the audience and uh, have the correct emotion. So I looked at it and I was like, Oh, 
And I, I, I spoke to Casey obviously as well about that. And it, it all came down to like, if how much of my own uh, style I'd be able to put into those videos. Cause if I was just going to be making those same yeah. kinds of videos, it would have been, I, I probably wouldn't have gone ahead and done it. And Jimmy was like, you gotta let me know tomorrow. And, um, I was like, fuck, bro. And in all honesty, I wasn't going to do it. You weren't going to do Beast Philanthropy. No. You were going to do the Renee Zell. Yeah, yeah. Because I was yeah. like, this is a, that's the only thing that makes sense. It's because if I had to think about it, also, they, it wasn't like going to be a long-term thing. They're going to try me out on one job. Right. And I was also like, my thought at the time was, this is really bad, but I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I was like, I'm just going to try and charge them a fuckload. And they can always say no. Mm. And if they say yes, well then at least I've I've got enough money to like get through the next mm -hmm. thing and I'll explain it to Renee or whatever. I don't know, like try and get through. So I came in like so high <laughs> for this video. <laughs> and Jimmy phoned me back and he was like, dude, you know, maybe like let's pull it back for this one. <laughs> bring it back a bit there. And um because as you know, obviously for the philanthropy videos, there's no revenue. Like yeah, the, yeah. Everything that's generated goes into back, the, into, it, back yeah. into the project. So what what I get paid to make the films comes out of Jimmy's pocket, mm. comes out of their main yeah. channel, whatever it is, uh, which I didn't know at the time. You know, um, I, I I didn't know much about Beast Philanthropy at all. Um, I, I'm also safe to assume you didn't really sleep much that night. No, no, yeah. not at all. Yeah, I put no, myself no. in your I shoes. Was like, like I, I was, I was going back and forth, and yeah. I was thinking, like, shit, you know, like my one chance also with someone like Renee and the the other people that were involved and the execs and it's, all these people I'd been speaking to, and what if I do a good job? Do I continue with them? Do I screw everything up? Do I? It's fascinating that you've been faced with this multiple times in your mm, career mm. and that it's emblematic of the moment in time for you know filmmakers of like is, do i go weird. this way and go to hollywood or do i go this way and go to youtube in the Dude, future I've had one foot like, on each side of the fence for so long it's fascinating that you represent that and your story has so many of these forks yeah and then i then darren phoned me and if darren hadn't phoned me there was like a Darren phoned me like much later. Um, and he, Darren's the one who sold me on it. Um, wow. Hearing Darren's, just a, passion sounds like a terrible word. His devotion uh, to wanting to utilize YouTube as a platform to generate one awareness to a younger generation and and just like our generation that to showcase that you don't have to start off a charity you can just become a part of one or mm -hmm. donate to one or to create videos to raise money to help more people um and he explained this to me like darren does in a very long-winded way it was like a two-hour long phone call but he got really emotional on the phone and um I was like, geez, this person really fucking cares. Um, and something in me was like, fuck, this just feels right. Um, what if I can make a film 
that's good as a film, I'd look at it and I'd be like, this is the same as like gift. Mm. Like it's a film that really makes me feel good. But at the same time, it's also doing good. Um, and I'm getting paid to do it. Like I'm getting the the same amount of money that I would be doing if I was off doing a feature kind of thing. That was the hope, you mm -hmm. know, that was the, the goal. After my conversation with Darren, that's kind of what I thought if I said yes. So I hedged my bet and I, I said, I'll do it. And then it was, remember, only for that one film. Then I, I phoned um, the executive producer that was going to do the film with, uh, with Renee. And they were like, no, it's not happening. Like you're not going to shoot that. Yeah. No, like you're shooting. You, you have chosen something else. Yeah. Like your, your chances, that's, it's finished, you know, like that's, that's it. And I think that that was just because of the fact that it was um, that time span. Mm -hmm. it's not, they, they weren't salty about the fact that. Yeah. Um, it's just, you get like one shot yeah, with yeah. these kinds of people. Yeah. With someone of such high stature. I've got major respect for Renee for even just spending some time with me. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, I, I'd given up on that. And then. Did you feel okay about that? No, <laughs> not at all. I was yeah. like, fuck. Yeah. Cause it Shit, sounds kind of similar to when you, you know. Yeah. So that, that it comes up. Yeah. Made, it's, like, it's I interesting because I would have thought in that moment, you go shoot the thing with Renee and then you hop on the next beast philanthropy video. Cause it's no, still a they, test. They needed the, they needed this. The film. So what happens with Peaceful Land to be is a project happens on a certain date, and cause, like we can't fake it, or it's not like a, a film shoot. Um, if we're doing something like for this one, it was building an orphanage. The construction and stuff, everything takes so long to set up mm. to, to the point. So they, they break ground on date X, and then remember we we're dealing with real people and real yeah. things. So. We can't have um, a bunch of um, kids that don't have homes and then be like, oh, just wait another two days because we need to film something else and then come in. So like we, the difficulties with, with it is, is, is m ensuring that we make a, a really fantastic film, but also that we don't hinder any of the process as it would happen if there wasn't cameras there. Um, so with the orphanage, it was, these were the set dates that we would have had to make that film. And um, they were going to roll into the new year with this new decision of if, if you know, things are going to change. Got it. Mm. And then it got told, then once I was making the film, it was kind of like another film was coming up where they were giving away a bunch of shoes, like 20,000 shoes. Um, and they had another crew shooting that. And then... Darren was like, maybe you would want to jump on the edit of this. So then I started to think like, oh, maybe there is something that's going to happen here. Um, and then Jimmy was like, do you want to come to Antarctica? I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Like yeah. all of this is like, now I'm going to yeah. Antarctica. And there's like this whole like beast thing that's happening. I don't even know what's going on now. So I did the orphanage job um, and I went all out. Like I was like, I'm, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to redesign the whole thing. So I looked at it, the way that the animations had been done. I even, I went as far as just redesigning their logo for them mm -hmm. as well. I, I just went full tilt. I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to yeah. try yeah. my hardest. Um, and I remember finishing the film and 
and actually for the first time in maybe three or four years looking at a piece of my work and going like this is fantastic mm. um actually fuck i didn't say fantastic <laughs> <laughs> that makes me sound like such a dick <clears throat> I was like, to me, this is nice. You <laughs> <laughs> liked it. That's all that matters. Yeah, 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 it was good. Yeah. You were proud it of yourself. Could, it could be I didn't say fantastic <clears throat> from someone else's eyes, okay? Did you I say said, exquisite, maybe? Yeah, divine. Hey, what is, where's ChatGPT at? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I said that I, I, I really felt like that, that moved me. Um, uh, we score all our own music um, as well. Fully original music in all of those? Every single film, yeah. So yeah, wasn't the Antarctica video though? Uh, uh, this is now on the main channel. Wasn't yeah. that Hans Zimmer? Yeah, that's Hans Zimmer. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, like it's when weird. You, I remember when I saw it at the end, it's like so <laughs> casual. It's like music by Hans Zimmer. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, wait, what? That's Sean Hendricks. Yeah, who, who hooks all that up. Yeah, that's crazy. crazy like that. Yeah, so all, everything that we do on Peace Philanthropy is is scored, and we it's an amazing way to make films. The the kind of system we've set up, but so we tried it with that one. And I went to Greenville and, and showed Jimmy the film. And Darren was like, don't worry, you know, like with Jimmy's mm. super busy always. And yeah. like he watches the film and there's nothing worse than when you play someone a film and they press pause, like, well, you're busy playing the film. I don't know if you've ever had that before. I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm guilty of doing that. So yeah, yeah. because you, you like analyzing, you're yeah. helping someone else, you know, or, or, or you're giving feedback to your editors, yeah. right? Um, but if you dare do that to Casey, you'll cut your finger off, I reckon. Like oh, he's really? playing you a one of these videos and you and speak you, or you like press pause yeah. like that. And you go, see right there, that cut. No, 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 no. You can't do that. You okay. watch the thing through first without anything being said. Got it. Which is very, it's the way that it used to be. Yeah. Um, just out of just appreciation of like yeah. someone spending so much time. Yeah. But I remember getting like five seconds into the video and Jimmy like presses pause. I'm like, fuck. And he goes, and he goes back. And he presses pause. And he's like, <laughs> he goes again. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, like, can, can he say something? And then he'd stopped pressing pause. And like maybe two minutes in, he shed a tear watching mm. this video. And uh, he was like, I can't even remember what he said. I was just so stoked then. Um, he was like, it's really beautiful or whatever. Um, and he was like, let's turn this into a long-term thing. Like right wow. then and there. Um, and then he said, how much do you want? <laughs> right there? <laughs> right there at oh, the table. Man. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm and Darren's looking at me, <laughs> and I don't know if you know Steel. Yeah, yeah. Steel's yeah. looking at me, <laughs> and we in his house, dude. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, my head's going crazy, bro. I'm like, fuck, what do I do? And uh, I come up with a a figure like very quickly, like by doing all kind of math, and I push it a little bit higher than I would, and I drop the figure, and he's like, cool, done. <laughs> And I'm like, fuck, dude, I could have doubled the figure. <laughs> Darren, like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It, could, it just could have been done. Like, yeah, um, But anyways, yeah. I, I'm stoked for, like, for the fact that I'm able to be paid to be able to make these kinds of films is insane. It's, it's also a testament to uh, Jimmy's authentic care for these types of films, right? And obviously, like, we all know Jimmy personally, 
but the world looks at Jimmy and some of the, the, the charitable work that he does as purely for viewership. Right. Like you've, I'm sure you've read the headlines and the, the pushback, course, even yeah. like the most recent video, which was a great video, the Wells video. That was a great video. He even tweeted preemptively. He was like, I just, mm-hmm. I know, I know what you guys are going to say. I know what's going to be said. Yeah. And then it did get said. Yeah. And then it did get said. Of course. What's your POV on that of like, because, because again, you're intimately involved in the process of making content that's philanthropic or around the, the philanthropy that you guys are doing. Um, where, you know, the world looks at it as, oh, you know, this guy's just doing this for, for attention and for views. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, if you, if, if you look at it, we need to generate views in order to generate revenue in order to do more. Right. So there, there is the discussion of going, well, um, is this a once off? Is it something that's like also done as um a, a, a seeking attention and mm-hmm. and it's going to uh like we're going in and building a hundred walls that are just going to fall to pieces and there was no real effort put into the development behind and, and right you know the longevity like darren started building the first wells two years ago or so two and a half mm-hmm. years ago but not to to beat sure. on the on the well side of things i think that people misunderstand and that's why we keep on on at the end of the beast philanthropy videos just saying um remember that uh if you can't donate if you can't um purchase maybe a piece of merchandise Mm -hmm. um just share or like because each and every dollar that we earn from this video goes back into the charity Mm. um so i mean at the end of the day like fuck those people like yeah. you know, no matter in which way you want to, and how you want to help, we will always get some yeah. sort of negative kickback. And Darren gets bleak about it every time. Yeah, mm. I, I love Darren to bits. He obviously he gets bummed about it, and I I just kind of take it with a pinch of salt because yeah. I mean, when you're reaching that many people, you know, yeah, yeah. you're also funding the philanthropy in a way that the majority, if not all the people in the industry, really don't understand. Like it is a first of its kind sort of way to fund philanthropy on a really large scale. I totally get where some people are coming from. Yeah. You know, that that's why we need to that's why at the end of the videos we keep on saying what we say, but a lot of those kinds of people, they don't get there to the end. Yeah. Um to hear that. But eventually it will become more known and people like you know, the we've got such a strong audience of people that are, stand behind what we're doing that um, they sort of s- s- answered that for us. If you go and look at like people that try and slam us for build, helping people drink water, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's a, an army of people that, that understand um, what we're doing and why we're doing it. And then, right. you know, they... They stand up for us and have to, that, yeah, we don't have to go through and Darren doesn't have yeah. to read the comments <laughs> mm-hmm. and get oblique. And- so in that moment when Jimmy says, cool, done, and you get the job, mm. what's the emotion there? Are you like, this is my thing now? Like, this is my ticket? Or are you kind of like, are you like, well, I was going to go to Hollywood? Like, are you mixed? Is your emotion mixed? Or is it like, no, I'm, this is great. I'm happy. The way that he said, done to my 
me like asking for this amount of money, um, I was a little bit bleak that I didn't ask for more. <laughs> but then I remember because Darren and I had driven there together and we got back in the car afterwards and we were both very silent. Because I'd mentioned to Darren on the way there, like, I wonder how this is going to go. And Darren's like, I'm very nervous. Because mm. like, Darren's like, I really want this to work. Yeah. But I'll, at the end of the day, it's Jimmy's decision if, you yeah. know, we're going to move you forwards and you're going to become chief creative officer and take over at Beast Philanthropy. But he's like, it might take some time, you know. Um, and I'm thinking, fuck, or, you know, time, that's not good. And um, I was hella nervous yeah. before showing Jimmy that. Like when I say when he was watching and pressing pause and stuff, and then when I saw him like smiling and there was like a little tear and stuff yeah. watching it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. And when he said done to the deal, and I'd gotten over the fact that I could have gotten more, and we walked back to the car. Um, it was silent, we get in the car, and like Darren gave out like a little squeak. <laughs> I'm not even lying. He was like, yes. And I was like, yes. And we're like in the car going like, yeah, yeah. And I just thought, can you imagine like Jimmy's like standing yeah, yeah, yeah. like, guys, you left your car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you left your phone. But yeah, we, we celebrated that's in the great. car. We, we, Darren and I have, ha, have this camaraderie that's like really special. And uh, yeah, it's, we were, we were both just so happy. I, I knew that that's, what I wanted to do. Um, and then around March, hit the first low again of when I got approached with the fact that the feature could have gone forwards. The, the, you got Afro Nauts feature. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's when we, we had made about three Beast Philanthropy films. And I was kind of on a on a film by film basis at that point. I hadn't signed a, a lengthy uh, sort of um, contract, so I could have just walked away really if I, I wanted to. I think in America you can just I don't know how it works here in South Africa. The staff is different, but I think yeah you can just get like fired. Like they can point at you and be like leave. <laughs> you can't do that in South Africa. Um, but yeah, I I could have wa walked away um and gone and done the feature and that was when and darren and i had like we had we were three months into our working relationship so it was like trying to figure it out trying to figure out this beast philanthropy thing and and going like we were getting more views than we thought we were and how long are we going to make the videos and there was like a little bit of conflict here and there and there was a moment we had our first ever fight outside the Studio C. Mm. Can I say Studio C? I don't know if people know what that is. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. totally fine. Yeah. Um, we, we were parked outside Studio C in the same car that we had celebrated in. Mm -hmm. He's got this red Tesla. And uh, three months later, we in there arguing. <laughs> going, and again, it was my own internal debate of like, fuck, I could go off and do this feature film or if I say no now, this is the last time I probably could ever say no for this opportunity will come around. And I just opened up to Darren and said that. Um, and he said, well, I'm not gonna hold you back. 
I was like, fuck. I thought he was going to offer me more money. Or <laughs> 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 he's like, yeah, go. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah go yeah, ahead, man. Know, he, yeah. he was like, look, I, I, you know, this is a, an amazing thing that's happening here and I can see what will happen down the line and um, I love working with you, but I can't hold you back, which is such wise and like, I hate him for it because mm -hmm. it's just like the best thing to say. Mm -hmm. You know, I really wish that he would have gotten angry or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't know it's what easier. I, yeah. Yeah, it gives you It gives you permission yeah. to then go, oh, yeah. okay, well, yeah, yeah fuck you. I'll, yeah, 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 I'll go make a Hollywood movie. Uh, so he made that decision so much harder. I was like, fuck, this guy's so nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, yeah. Once again, beep, 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 Casey, <laughs> job again. He's always, I mean, yeah, yeah he's advice. I, I don't think I have, I've never not taken Casey's advice. Mm. I've taken, every, blindly followed everything that Casey has, has um, advised me on actually. And it's always irritates me to say it's turned out the right thing, mm -hmm. you know. Um, Cause he's just always so God, I'm right, eh? Fuck. So what did he say in this? How he does it? What did he say in this context? He told me to stick with it. Yeah. He said this is a a sure thing. And it just you've never done something for a long period of time before, and stick to it and see see what happens. But like you got to stop bouncing all over the place. And he was like, this is a he's like he oh maybe send you the actual text but his words were something like you got a really really good thing going here um it's safe it's secure um you've got a son on the way because i knew mm -hmm. that uh, you know um so it was it was also job security yeah um he's like you helping people and you you have a lot of creative freedom to make these films in the way in which you want to make them and they're really fucking good films um so that that made it pretty easy for me to go yeah you know? yeah that's wow. very uh it's great to have that sounding board that comes from yeah a, a really human rational point of view because yeah. as the creative it, it's easy to be irrational with the things you want to make and the things easier. you think should be made and exist in the world. But when you have a kid on the way and you're, it's just nice to have someone who knows you that well. Who's like, hey, gone through it, yeah. you've been moving around a lot. Yeah. And that's not helping you. I also no, think no. Uh, yeah. as creatives, at least I experienced this a lot and, and still at times do, where you look at opportunities as like your ticket to make it. And you can never understand, like you said, the finish line is always getting pushed. So you can never understand if you've made it. Like, is this where you're supposed to arrive as a creative? It's fucking interesting. Eh? Right? And you look at opportunity as like, oh, there's my ticket to go and make it. You know, like making the Hollywood movie, that's making it. Then what? Then what, mm -hmm. right? And so when you, get, when you get tickets, you need that sounding board of the person who has gotten a lot of tickets. <laughs> you know, like Casey's gotten a lot of opportunities. Yeah. That sounding board to go, what does this even mean? You know, like what does yeah. it even mean to get this ticket? Is this a ticket I should take or not? And you have to like settle as a creative to recognize that you yourself are the ticket. Yeah. It's not the external factors, right? Yeah. 
I think, yeah, great, great advice. <clears throat> I once got from Casey Tweez. He was like, look, I, you the kind of person who can get dropped off with nothing in the middle of a city with a camera and a, a computer to edit with, and you'll find a way of making it. And like thinking about it like that, then I, you know, and, and hearing that from a, a, a filmmaker that's so well-renowned, you know, as a filmmaker, and that, that was a lot of validation for me and mm -hmm. affirmation to realize like, okay, the, there's a skill set and a talent here that I can invent something yeah. with a camera mm -hmm. and a computer to edit with, and I'll always be okay. Like no matter how badly I, if I do make the wrong choice and I fuck something up, I can always reinvent myself. Yeah. Mm. However, like let's not waste that time. Yeah. You know, and try and make those wise decisions. Um, you and, also never know who's watching. If you know, you think back to when Tim was his name from Discovery. Tom. 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 You think, you, sorry. Sorry, Tom. Jesus, uh, man. From well, now we're definitely not getting a Warner yeah. deal. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you think back, you think back to when Tom reached out. Yeah, you no, had no you idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm no, sorry, no, Tom. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, you're saying. Yeah, like you, you just never know who's watching. You may think there's a right decision, a wrong decision, but if you put yourself in a place where you're making work that you're proud of, you don't even know at the tail end of this beast philanthropy. One, if there will be a tail end, maybe you'll do this mm -hmm. for years and years to come. But two, you don't know who's watching yeah. and who will reach out and, and see the next chapter of your right. story. I promise you that's the, like where it's come from is like views are one thing. Um, but if you're making work with substance and meaning, like the stuff that you guys are doing, and I hear like every time you bring on a creator, massive creators, they all say, I watch your guys show. Mm. You guys aren't sitting with 25 million subscribers, but yet your uh, network is of 500 million subscribers because of the people that you know and the dots that you can connect. Because you you're sitting with intelligent mm. people, you're asking wise questions, and you're teaching those other people that don't know about those different avenues. Um, and with, say, philanthropy, um, the upside is that the views are so high, which is great, but even if they weren't, um, the kinds of people that are watching those films are, are really people that matter yeah. in the sense of uh, they, they value um, doing better shit for the earth. Um, you know, and th those are the people that you want in your corner, especially the ones that, that want to sponsor videos like that. Mm. Right, you know, even if, for instance, like, which I don't see it happening, and I hope it, it didn't, was, uh, you know, the relationship split between Beast Philanthropy and, and myself. Um, still, the the right people would have seen the films that I made for Beast Philanthropy, and it's, right. it's been a really great positioning point. Um, and then I would probably go off into documentaries that are about um, betterment of of the earth and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Phil philanthropic based based stuff for sure. I'm also curious just like functionally how it works because you're the chief creative officer of Beast Philanthropy, uh, but you're also running a production company called Joe Films. Sure. So 
is that like, is Joe Films the production company behind Beast Philanthropy or is that separate? It's separate. So I hire Joe to help with the film. To hire, oh, interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah. How much of Joe's, and maybe you can tell me this, maybe you can't, but how much of Joe Films' business is Beast Philanthropy? 100%. No. 100%, got yeah. it. Interesting. And in the beginning, we were trying to figure it out because um, we didn't have, and like the, the great thing with Jimmy and Darren is like, we can be 100% transparent and open with the books. Hmm. I could be like, look, we need X amount right. to cover overhead for Joe. But we don't need, you know, I'm not in a in a, a position where I, I'm money hungry and, right. and whatever. So we need X amount of profit. And if you want Joe's full attention for mm -hmm. these films, we're going to need to be paid X. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my salary is here. Joe's, Joe's service charge will be this. Mm -hmm. And that's the amount that we'll get per film. So yeah. they've got the entirety of Joe, which is great because I, I also get to build um, – the culture of Joe. Right. You have a list of things you learned from Casey, which we'll talk about as we have brew bars later. If you were to make a list of things that you've learned from Jimmy, uh, whether that's in watching edits or storytelling or uh, the way he operates and operates at such scale, what have you learned now from working with, with Mr. Beast? Dude, you didn't read blog post number two. I don't have that printed out. <sighs> It's on the blog, dude. <laughs> um, I didn't print it out, so I didn't know that that was there. there. I, I have no, the Casey. I'll, I'll try, I'll try yeah. to remember. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, wow. Jimmy Jimmy is complex, as you know. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, like, I mean, it depends in which way you want to look at it. Like, if you're looking at... Uh, from just a YouTube growth standpoint or as a business scalability standpoint or as a, a human being standpoint. You know, there's like three different things. Where well, yeah. I think in the in the KC ten yeah. parts, it's like all three of those together. Mm. Jimmy's still, I think, um at what, he's twenty five now. Yeah. So he is the, without a doubt, genius of YouTube content creation. So he has so much, there's countless to talk about on what to learn from that aspect. I don't know from Jimmy on a mentorship angle, um, advice that one would possibly ask that's like life advice. Sure. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know him in, in that way. We spend a lot of time together, but I've never actually, and it's interesting to think that I've never just gone down that route with him at mm -hmm. all. It's We always only purely speak business. What about um, though, like notes on videos? Like, have you learned anything in his, in, yeah, like the so, way he storytells and the way he- Sure, so it's what's, what's crazy is with philanthropy is there's, it's an overlap of what his input and my input, and we've kind of created a hybrid. Mm. Obviously, he say goes yeah, always, sure. um, and I I would never challenge what what he has to say. Like, I mean, it, it's just pointless. Mm -hmm. It's like you know what what he says is gonna work. Um, but sometimes there's there's a couple of things where it'll be like 
it would be like, can can I make this change? It'd be like, but it'll take two days, you know. Yeah. And then it's just not worth it. Maybe the. But um, what I've learned is when things are just like you get something called a, a noe video. It's like where you already know what's going to happen in the video. How do you get through that? Mm. And for example, okay, let's take a video called. Uh, we gave away 20,000 shoes in Africa. So now you already know, mm-hmm. like before you've even right. clicked on the video. Now, how did, to open up that, so I wrote this line at the beginning of that film, which was um, the only thing standing in the way between education and 100,000 or 300,000 kids in Africa is a simple pair of shoes. Um, now you go, okay, I'm now I'm, invested into finding out why they gave away these pairs of shoes. And it's not so much about the shoes, but it's more about the why. Mm. So that's, but prior that, I, I would never have known how to get over that gap, you know, because mm. the previous Beast Philanthropy videos would have just start out from, from the get-go. Um, you know, it's the same thing as you saw, saw in the Wells video. Um, once you saw one well, they need they needed to be a whole bunch of other elements that happened in for you to be more and more excited to right. see more and more wells being built um but what i've learned from jimmy i think number one is uh, collaborate versus compete we speak about um you know this the idea of rather competing with with uh other creators, he tends to collaborate with like anyone that he can. Right. And maybe that is because he is just so big. But I think even prior to that, he he was always just collaborating with people. Um, Whether it's he helps out when when he can, he's always down to get onto a phone call with somebody. He's always on the phone. Yeah, he's always on the phone. I I was in that lineup I've, I've gone in and out of that phone lineup based on how much i pick up but he you know he'll go yeah, on yeah. a walk and just go through a rotation of calling people. yeah yeah so and he so he's always either if it's helping someone out by putting them in a in a, a short or yeah. a vertical or um you know platforming somebody on mm-hmm. his main channel he he does more so that than than try and compete with right. with anybody else um i think identifiable characters is a, a very big one for his main channel videos. That that helps you to be able to create more than just a singular character. So now you've got like in Friends or David Dobrik did it really yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean identifiable characters like repeat characters like, that have distinct yeah, personalities? Carl, yeah, Carl, Carl Nolan. You can describe yeah. Tariq. You can yeah. so mm-hmm. Tariq you def, you define as this camera operator yeah. who also then integrates himself as a mm-hmm. friend and you know he's there yeah. calls you can identify mm-hmm. with chris same yeah. thing um nolan. chandler nolan um and no I, i've watched nolan's development mm-hmm. right from the start when he came in and it's been very interesting to see so he's created these identifiable characters that stick to these certain marks, archetypes yeah mm-hmm. and and they people get to either like them or not, and now now you're starting to develop a much and appeal to a much wider audience because interesting, you, yeah. 
you've got a bunch of people, someone be like, I'm a Nolan fan, you yeah. know, like screw mm. Carl or whatever. Someone's like, no, screw you. I love Carl. You and know? you actually want that. Like you want people of to course. take sides, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting that you were kind of in that position with Casey. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as being like somewhat yeah. of a character. I was the one being space. like, who is this Dan guy? Yeah, get, get him, him out of there. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, yeah. More Marlin, less Dan. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so identifiable characters is, is key. Um, and significant moments. I think that there's uh, the constant explosions throughout Jimmy. <laughs> like literal explosions. Yeah. Right, And right. also just be, as... Film school, if you would understand, and beat explosions. There's a lot of diegetic mm. sound, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if you go back prior to big explosions, like everything's leading up to some significant moment in a Jimmy video. You know? and, and he's reminding you that there is about to be a significant moment or There's that you're waiting for a significant moment. Like in this, like we're all waiting to try a brew bar. A beep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's a quote that you have that I pulled. I don't, I don't know exactly where it's from. Oh God. Uh, it just it says, the only person that can edit a film the way that I want it to be edited is myself. And did I say that or yeah. ca did Casey say that? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Where did I say that? Unclear where you said it. I think in an interview with the heavy chef. Oh, wow. Yeah. Bro, you guys do your research. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Trying um, to start again. <laughs> so, well, no, I mean, that's fine. Um, <laughs> the only person that can edit a film the way I want it to be edited is myself. Um, you know, I, I experienced that a lot uh, with Colin. Um, I should edit it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I edit something, he's like, move. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, yeah. get Dude, out. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, quite the inverse. Like for me, the, the way I want something to be edited, Colin was the only one who could edit that. I couldn't even edit it myself the way I wanted it to be edited. Ah. But then when we started to grow, I would, you know, start to bring in editors. And basically we would make something with the editor. And then Colin would just take the timeline, undo what they did, or just start fresh and just do it the way he he wanted to do it. Uh, just trying to maximize efficiency. Yeah. But I think that is, I imagine that's what Casey's like. I imagine that's what you're like, right? Mm. So are you editing all the Beast Philanthropy stuff? Or has have you learned how to expand your storytelling DNA? Yeah. So I'll, I'll teach you something here. This is a... It's a a first draft should be used as an example of what it should not look like. And as soon as you start to look at a first draft like that, you'll actually be excited to look at first drafts. Mm. First drafts are the worst things to ever look at because they're never the way that you want them to be. You look at it and you go, oh my fuck, I thought this film was gonna be great. Right. Now I'm looking at this, this is shit. Right. These films we go in, like it's a very interesting way of making a movie because you, you as a writer, you want to use like all 40 rhetorical devices in order to amplify absolutely everything, you know? Um, but you can't. We're dealing with real human life. We're dealing with real circumstances. We're dealing with real people's yeah. problems. and. You know, you gotta, you can be this like renegade director and in the fiction realm and be like, yes, you mm -hmm. know, like more pain, more sorrow and like bigger release at the end. But right. you, you can't do that yeah. Um, so we have the 
romanticized version of the film? How do we get from um, explaining the problem? So impact, um, communication and persuasion. Um, so how do we create this impactful scenario up front and showcase the, what the issue is? And then how do we communicate that in a way that's not boring, but rather a way that's going to release a lot of oxytocin when mm -hmm. we get to that point. And that's transformative when that happens. Um, so we go in with this kind of like roadmap of, of what we're looking for. We, we know who the characters are. We know the story, but we never pigeonhole ourselves to a script of being like, this is exactly how we're going to tell the story. So we go in with this kind of like a uh, bird's eye view. And then we come back with a bank of footage. And then it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's probably so much footage. Yeah, and you, yeah. there's so many directions. That's yeah. what I was saying in this first draft that you look at, there's so much that you can just toss out because you're like, that's useless. Yeah. Even though when, while we were there, everybody looked at each other, we were like, wow, that's a magic mm -hmm. moment. That's a great thing. In the grand scheme of things, nobody's going to care. It's not, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. It's, it's not like what we're going to speak about. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, so, so when we get back, my, my office alone is covered in whiteboard and both uh, post offices are covered in whiteboard and we just write scripts. Mm. That's all we do for most of the, for like, if I say it's 15 days worth of post, three or four full days is just writing. So it's writing a line and we've got uh, AI tools that we use that replicates voices yep. and mm -hmm. we then run those voices back, then we can time them, then we sort of know, okay, for VO it's gonna be like this. And we'll take that and we start to score music to it so we can get a, a feeling. Mm -hmm. And we go and the whole film is is done without any B-roll, nothing. And it was the first time I ever started making films that way was this year, was telling the entirety of the story with VO and then taking uh, segments out of the voxies, um, and which is just throwaway lines mm -hmm. to camera for people yeah. who don't understand. And then there's actual sit down interviews. Um, and a lot of the time what we would have to do, which is quite complicated, would be to, to get somebody to say something that they're trying to say in a short space of time. Yeah. Um, as you guys would know, you said, said then you're like, <laughs> we got it already. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, usually people take a minute to get the point across. So we have to like really condense mm -hmm. that. So sometimes mm -hmm. we have to add in words like, and why, how. So we have to go through their whole interview and find those words, yeah. find Been the words there. and chop and them stitch it together. Yeah. yeah. So once we've done all of that, um, the rest of it is easy. Once you've got the music and the narrative and you can envision what you've been there, we've shot it beautifully already. There's these explosive moments. I mean, then it's like, that's the most beautiful part of editing. Then yeah. that last like 20% of that 30% is so beautiful. I get the best part of the job mm -hmm. doing the last like four to five days. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, adding in things that along with the music, yeah. along with the sound, That's it's cool. like, oh, mm. you know, you watch it back, it's like yeah. ecstasy every single time. I think, yeah. I think I'm the opposite. I think that first part is what I consider to be the best part of the job. 
Oh, really? The like writing and the story edit. Oh, figuring it out. Putting yeah. those puzzle pieces together, that's where I feel really comfortable and mm -hmm. what I enjoy, like figuring out that puzzle. And then once that happens, I'm like, all right, let's give it to someone who knows visuals and like uh, can okay, do something, yeah. can make it look yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, it's hard too for me to think about which part I enjoy the most. Uh, feels like I've been doing this for so long. Yeah. You know, at some point, it's just what you do. Yeah. You know, it's like what you do is you wake up, you think about storytelling, you sit in an office and whatever story it is, like whether right now it's beast philanthropy, that could be the next 20 years of your life. Uh, it could be the next 10. And, you know, in, in 10 years after that, it could be something totally different. And the commonality will be that you wake up in the morning and you think about story structure, think about how to, how to communicate and articulate this emotional concept through the footage and storytelling tools you have. And I think when you sink into that and recognize like, I've just committed my life to this, then no matter what the canvas is or the project is in the moment, the commonality is just like, this is what I do. I'm a storyteller. Do you ever think that maybe naturally you're just really fucking good at something and you spend 10 years of your life trying to learn how to be better at it to just realize that you were already just hmm. as good as you could possibly be at doing that thing? Yeah. but. I think there's always something to so, experience to and improve. learn. And, and whether it's improving or not, you're just learning new things about yeah, sure. it, you know, and you're naturally just getting better at it. Sure. Should we Should we eat a brew bar? Are we going to do Let's that? Let's do it. Is, Let's this do it. This is the moment. Wow. Is this it? Yeah. Okay. So, so, so tell, tell, tell us, us about yeah, what is, What's going on here, Dan? Because this all your entire career has been leading up to, since the era of the jam salesman, it's been leading up to this. Yes. No. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. So from jams, I was like, <laughs> How do you create a product that's just so sweet that's not going to explode in the back of your car and <laughs> look like murder? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I met this guy who owns this company called House of Macadamias, an uh, incredible guy. And uh, there's 97 farms in South Africa um, with macadamia nuts. So there's a surplus of macadamia nuts, but macadamias are the most expensive nuts in the world, except in South Africa, you can just pick up a bag on the side of the road for free because it's too many. So he was like, there's a clear like supply demand yeah. issue here, but like the wrong way around. Yeah. So um, how do we fix this? Um, so he created a brand where he makes products out of macadamia nuts and then sells those products. Mm -hmm. And in order to market macadamias, so macadamia is only 1% of the nut market now where it will grow into <laughs> something much more. Yes, I'm also part of House <laughs> Macadamia, yeah. Yeah. not just Bruba. Yeah, okay. got it, understood. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm also, I um, I hope House Macadamia is with the oh, cool. creative as well. Cool. But well, we, I, mean, yeah, I mean, come on. Share. Yeah. So oh, we're not going to eat kind of a like recording it over yeah. there. Uh, yeah. so, <laughs> you got so many, but, we just want to eat one. No, no, these are all for you guys. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I yeah, even well, learned how to only, like, uh, think. A couple feet away here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Um, Okay, while we bite into this, though, I did want to read the the 10 things you learned from Casey. Okay. Because I have some questions about them. I don't understand all of them. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> there's one that but, I really, I like all of them, but there's one that I really, really resonate with uh, on there. Okay, I'll I, read all 10 and then we'll go back. I made this one up. Casey didn't say any of this. <laughs> okay, okay. Fault. Casey didn't say <laughs> so precursor. This is just, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah, I wrote into chat GBT. <laughs> shit Casey probably yeah, 10 things say. Casey and I probably would say. Uh, a fool reacted. Number one, a fool sleeps when he's tired. A wise man sleeps every moment. Wait, I just give a thumbs up of approval. 
I think this is delicious. It tastes kind of jammy. <laughs> yeah, like the well, consistency. You know what I love mm. is the back half. The back half has this incredible coffee taste, but mm. the front half is kind of crunchy, soft at the same time. And in the back half, you get hit with this really nice. It's almost like a a flavored coffee, like a cap, uh, frappuccino or something. Mm. It's caramel maca. Right. Is there like it's coconut in this? What's no, in there's this? no coconut. No, you're not picking up on. I'm not. Yeah, you're not picking up, picking up on it. You, you clearly yeah. like. <laughs> if you guys ever split, you should go the food. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'll go, I'm not the guy for this. Yeah. Okay. He's the food guy. Number one, a fool sleeps when he's tired. A wise man sleeps every moment. Does it say that? It should be when he can. <laughs> okay, maybe I maybe I, I copied maybe, these. Like, you, did you like write it <laughs> no. down when you're really okay. tired? A I wise think... man sleeps when he can. Okay, a fool sleeps when he's tired. A wise man sleeps when he can. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> free is the most expensive. Yes, that's a great yeah, one. That's a great one. Family first. Yes, unless in meeting. Wait, and... Why does family first come third? Because the other two are more important. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, because I I, I thought about it and I was like. For uh, AVD, mm -hmm. that's a bit boring, you know. Mm. Putting family up front <laughs> like that. Yeah. Well, retention, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unless a meeting involves food, don't attend. Here we are. I think that's actually really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's uh, that's really good. You can never have enough gaff tape. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah, that's true. Shut up and make something. Views are not a metric for success. Run, exclamation point. Never advance at the expense of someone else and share your fails. Those are great. Those are 10 great rules. Yeah. Wow. No, for sure. There's, uh, that's kind of what I, what I took out of the time that I spent working with Casey and then mm -hmm. being his friend for years after. Mm. I kind of took took all of that and then wrote out those 10 things. I would like to do a similar thing with, with Jimmy. Yeah. Um, in a more, why did I want to use the word like human, but in, in an yeah. like more, cause right, right now I think Jimmy's very hyper work focused. Like that's, that yeah. is Jim, mm -hmm. like that, that's the archetype that he is mm -hmm. in right now. And I think that for his age as well at 25, Casey's what, 42 now um and i started working with casey when he was 35 maybe 36 37 so yeah he had a lot more life experience so that's where all of those mm. came from what did which ones were you uh, um free is the most expensive for me it was yeah. one of my favorites i find that yeah because people try to give you shit all the time eh? Yeah, yeah, sometimes it's it's better to have like a yeah, transactional relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like look at us. Like we ask, yeah. you know, like Dan's on the show and it comes at a heavy price for us. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we got brew bars all over the table right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh that one for me is like clean lines of transaction are so important. Much better. So yeah. important. Like some people are like, I don't want this to be transactional. You're like, but it is. That. But it is yeah, a transaction. Exactly. Let's just make it let's just draw clean lines and boundaries. Um yeah. yeah. I also like shut up and make something. I think I've I've connected with that throughout my career of like anytime I've felt down or like I'm not progressing, it's just like, don't, let's not think so much. Let's just make something. Because everything we've made, similar to your career, 
You know, like our career was saved uh, by Paul Lays at 368. What? Paul connected us with Samsung and Samsung oh gave us a deal that saved us. And what? so like- Was this back in, that, in 2019? 2019. 2019, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yep. So like every, every moment in our career has come from us just like putting our head down, making something. And then like Colin said, you never know who's watching. You never know. And so, like, I didn't know that Casey Neistat knew who we were when we had 3,000 subscribers. That's a fuck up, man. That's crazy. um, That's mm -hmm. wild, right? So it's like, if there's a thousand views on a video, one of them could be... That's a lot of people, dude. It's a lot of people. We don't let ourselves believe that. We don't let ourselves believe that. I think that's that's what's incredibly uh, important is, like, uh, about that line of, like, shut up and make something. It's like, if you want to tick it out, Make make something. Shut up and make something. I think that's what YouTube gives us the ability to do. Yeah. Right now, we could go live. You know, we, we have been live. We've been live yeah. this whole time. Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, we could. I could sit here and talk to you all day. I really could. Um, it's been amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's been Thank really you. really fun. Thank you for for sharing and and being open and. I'm excited to see, uh, you know, I, I love watching the, the your work with Beast Philanthropy. I love watching your work on your own channel. I love every time a little piece of paper comes out of the screen and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, in, yeah. In, in, on either channel. It's just yeah. like, there's there's Dan Mace's signature on this video, you know? And I I, I think you've been a creative that has progressed the scene forward. Um, Thanks. Like the, the YouTube scene. You've, you've put mm-hmm. a care and attention into video that I think is... Uh, is what's making us all remember that this is an art form and a craft. Wow. Sure. Means a lot. Yeah. Thank you so much. So, yeah. I'm excited to see whatever you do next, you know, whatever uh, videos you make next and whatever mm-hmm. the next chapter of Dan Mace is. Yeah. Should have a YouTube video coming out on my channel like in the next four years. Okay. <laughs> so uh, going, like, it, it, between now. The yeah. next two are I quit and I'm back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my. Bro.